0: Welcome to review of 2019 of the year, parts one and two. This is part one. We're splitting it in half. Alan, Calvin, Calvin's here. Yes, I'm so excited. So (laughs) excited. (laughs) I'm
1: so excited. This is Uh. great. (laughs) What what what
2: day is it today? (laughs) Uh, um, We got that. We got the New Year's Eve um, atmosphere going
0: on. Uh, we have this is our New Year episode. This one, this is our our culmination of 2019. What a year, huh? <laughs> uh, but in in previous years we we've been doing a kind of bi we uh, biannual. Is that right? Does that mean once yeah. every two years or twice a year? It can mean both. It's very confusing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Semi annual twice annual we've been doing a twice annual (laughs) review of the year episode uh just so it doesn't become too massive and unwieldy in december Mm -hmm. when we try and cap up cap off the entire uh year in one go because our review of the year episodes end up being about three hours anyway and that's only covering half the year uh this year we Mm -hmm. thought we'd just start putting out our little reviews as diminisodes on the patreon we do all sorts of diminisodes uh, but the the reviewing of new films seemed like a logical thing to chuck out there.
2: A lot of diminu. In fact, as of today recording, we have released uh, forty two diminuisodes. Yeah, forty two diminisodes. That's forty two extra episodes, as well as two full length bonus
0: episodes. Yes, yes. Um, mm-hmm. On us and Avengers End Game. No, three full length episodes, Avengers Alan, because we did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well. Mm. Um, so there you go. That's the sort of extra content you can get for one dollar <laughs> on Patreon.com
2: forward slash dim returns. Oh, yeah. Help support the show and support yourselves with easy listening podcasts. <laughs> uh
0: but we we also thought we can't be asked talking about all this shit again. So no. <laughs> we just <laughs> what we're gonna do as a little advert for the Patreon, or a big advert, I suppose, because this is gonna be quite long. We're now gonna launch into loads of re-edited truncated Diminisodes so you can hear what you're missing out on. Most of these Diminisodes went out in about they were all about half an hour long I'd say on average. Uh, we've whittled them yeah, down 20, to
2: 20 minutes or 30 minutes yeah.
0: maybe yeah yeah. Uh, we've whittled them down to under 10 minutes a piece so that you don't you know so that this episode doesn't end up being 5-6 hours long <laughs> uh, and we're just going to rattle through them now so first up start of the year we we looked at Mary Poppins Returns, oh, because mm. we because we covered Mary Poppins and yeah, so yeah. let's listen to that now. Ooh. When you're with Mary Poppins, suddenly you're in places you've never dreamed of.
2: This Mary Poppins, this incarnation of Mary Poppins, seems to be more accurate to the original books in, in terms yes. of what we talked about in our episode, in that she's a bit more of a cowbag um, mm-hmm. and a lot more vain.
0: I can tell you that the director, Rob Marshall, he's read the books. And when he talks about the film, he he seems to refer back to the books more than the um, the original film, even, yeah. which is surprising. But like you say, I think that comes across.
2: What I complained about in the first film, they made a bit more of an effort to make it like, oh, do you know what? It could all just be in their heads. You know, it could just be imaginary. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. That was a tick for me. Although ultimately it is always a bit
0: like, Yeah, they all go flying off on balloons at the end. Yeah. I suppose in the broadest strokes, one of the complaints I've seen quite a few places, one of the things Calvin was worried about, I think it does kind of rely too much on nostalgia to really work as its own thing. There are a few too many callbacks and rehashes of just sequences from the original film, Mm. Um like one one of the big standout moments in this is when it they do the big animation live action hybrid thing. Yeah. And whilst that's its own thing, and I think it is drawing upon the books that these are based on, yeah. um, it still just feels like, oh, how can we repeat that animated sequence from the previous film? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rather than its own thing, and and it's And like it's, yeah. That animated sequence is very impressive. The live-action animation bit. I, it's some of the best hand-drawn animation I've seen in um, mm. a long, long while. I think they brought a load of old Disney re- animators out of retirement to make <laughs> it, which is probably why you just don't... There isn't an industry built around producing that sort of animation anymore, so you just don't see stuff of that standard that often. It's it's a real shame, because it, it looks incredible in this film. It's really quite remarkable. The songs are all not bad. Mm. There was but... a
2: couple that stood out for me. Um Cover is not the book. That yeah. was really nice. Um it was very well staged and all that as well, but the yeah. song, just in terms of the song, the Meryl Street bit, that scene jumped out no, as quite a nice scene. No? Well I think Meryl Streep just when she goes for it and is having fun, I think that's I think that's always interesting to watch.
0: That struck me as the, the new film's equivalent of that. Pratt laughing on the ceiling from the original. Oh, definitely, film. yeah. But it, it was just like, "God, oh, get on with it, guys!" And
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it was as pointless as that. But yeah, it just felt like because she was having fun, it was like it was okay, you know. Um, mm. I don't know. That's why it really wasn't. it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But
0: yeah, I mean, the original film. The songs are so great and to such a standard that the songs here are all decent. There were no points where it was kind of like, "This song's shit and boring, and I'm not enjoying it." Mm. But none of them are to the standard that I ever want to listen to any of them again. You know, it's, it's just something lacking from them. And and I do I think they do quite a good tone, uh, quite a good job of evoking the tone of the songs from the original, even. But they just kind of feel like a pale imitation of of what we're trying to achieve.
2: Yeah, yeah. Basically, that was it. Yeah. Quick word about the cast. Uh
0: yeah. Yeah. Very Emily good. Blunt. Mm. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she I I said it in our main episode, to me, there's no difference between what she's doing in this and what she would be doing in a Saturday night live sketch where she plays Mary Poppins. It is yeah. just like and that's not to say it's bad, it's more that I just don't think there's any subtlety to Mary Poppins as a character mm. and I don't think anyone could really wow me with a Mary Poppins performance, honestly. I think yeah, it exactly, has to be something yeah. very impressive.
2: Um Lynn Manuel Miranda.
0: Uh he is he's shit, isn't he? <laughs> he's not
2: great. I'll give you that, but he gets the job done. But he's just not an
0: actor. I don't know why.
2: He... I don't know. He, I think he's fine. He gets the job done. But
0: yeah, I, I'm being shit. Shit is harsh. He you're, is.
2: You're comparing him to Dick Van Dyke, and that is the problem because Dick yeah. Van Dyke made that first film and made that character. It's not exactly the same character, I know, but basically it is And Dick Van Dyke had so much personality that we we talked about this in our episode. Yeah. But yeah. like, that's a tough tough shoes to fill.
0: He he's. Lin Manuel Miranda, he's got a certain charm that gets him through the fact that he's not a very good actor. But like you say, he's no Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke is a you know was a fucking revelation in that original film. He was brilliant, and Jack's just not that. Again, it's the exact same thing. He's just a pale imitation of what the original mm. film gave yeah, us.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Quick mention of Dick Van Dyke, then, while we're on it. He turns yeah,
0: up. He's, yeah, he's a nice bit of connective tissue. He's basically doing what he did as the old man the first time <laughs> around, isn't he? Yeah. But now he's I mean, old, so it's not quite as...
2: I mean, yeah, it's nice to see him, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just, like, a, he seems fairly spry for a 94-year-old man. Yeah. It looked like his his trousers, when he sat down, his, like, trousers, like, it made his... Legs look like chopsticks. Like <laughs> I think he's, quite skinny underneath that. <laughs> he's yeah. wet. He's, um, you know, evaporating slowly.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Colin Again, Firth fine. is the
2: main bad guy.
0: Colin Firth. I, I love Colin Firth. It's um it's very much him on autopilot. But it's nice to sort yeah. of see him doing a.
2: It'd be nice to get him really stuck into a villain. Yeah. Like this is yeah. just kind of throwaway thing.
0: I, I I got very annoyed near the end as well. It, just, it it tries to go all big and bombastic, and like Mary Poppins flies up to Big Ben and stops it turning, and it just got a bit like. Was...
2: Well, what annoyed me about that is how they went to all this effort to climb up there and do yeah, all this exactly. nonsense, and then she just goes, "Oh well, I will have to sort this out," and flies up there and does it. Like, well, yeah. Why didn't you do that before?
0: Plus, do, do they? I mean, I might have not been paying attention. Do they say you've got until Big Ben strikes? They say
2: midnight. you've got well. You say you've got until the end of the day, and it yeah. says I'll be in the office until midnight. So
0: yeah, so not yeah. until Big Ben chimes. Well,
2: who else? Who else are you going to trust? Is there any
0: other clock you'd trust? All the other watches and clocks in the building. That are, they because they see that Big Ben goes out. <laughs> it's not like they just go. Oh, that's funny. My 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 watch is fast. They go. Oh God! Someone's turned Big Ben off.
2: But they—they they ultimately it doesn't matter anyway because all that happens is that they don't get the share certificate properly and Colin first like no that doesn't count and then Dick Van Dyke bursts in and Deus Ex is it all away and it's like mm. so it doesn't matter anyway it's all just to create a bit of drama yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah
0: yeah so I I wasn't a big fan of Mary Poppins to begin with I think I gave it a five out of ten this was very. Um, it, it was kind of like uh, the Force Awakens of Mary Poppins. It was sort of the same old shit done to quite a good standard, uh, given the the distance between the films in terms of how like the the length of time between them. It's quite remarkable that they've pulled it off to this standard. But it really is just like reheated leftovers. I'm giving it a five out of ten again, but it's that's not as strong a five. That's quite a generous. Five. A lesser five.
2: Well, I gave the original a seven. I gave this one a six.
0: I'm sorry, where was I? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) remember that? Talking about Mary (laughs) Poppins Returns, Alan. (laughs)
2: Yeah, Dick Van Dyke. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but then. Do you even remember that film <laughs> at all? Like, it's been nearly a <laughs> year
0: now since we recorded it. Well,
2: this is the beauty of now? doing our reviews close to the time. I
0: actually remember. <laughs> that is a very good point, because no, I do not. Beyond Lin Manuel Miranda being in it, yeah. and Dick Van Dyke didn't have to put on any makeup this time.
2: <laughs> have you seen it, so, uh, Calvin?
0: Yeah, I
1: saw it at the cinema. Uh, Did you? Yeah, ooh, fancy. Yeah, we're, uh yeah. Boxing day viewing for me and the family it was. We all went uh, ah. and saw it and all came out very
0: disappointed. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I'm surprised. I, I think Alan and I uh, were not particularly won over by it, but we weren't particularly won over by the first film either, really. I think Alan was oh, more generous than I film. was, but... Mm. I, I just thought it was more of the same, done quite well, but I wasn't into what the film was to begin with.
1: Why didn't uh, you it was like more of the mean? same, but it felt so um, I don't know, corporate which obviously it is, it's, you know, exec yeah, to appropriate and Yeah, it just it just yeah it calculated exactly it just it all felt so like the first mm. one I I don't know, we talked about in our review about like how sort of meandering the story is and there's just like yeah. these episodic tangents and whatever and it's so messy, but that's when you <laughs> judge it by sort of Modern standards, well, no, actually even standards of the time, I suppose. Um, but this one just felt like it was so calculated and just a money-making exercise that it felt like it didn't have much of a soul. Mm. Mm. Did
2: you prefer Meryl Streep or Colin
1: Firth? I forgot Colin Firth was even in it, so I'm going to have to go with Meryl <laughs> Streep. Did Colin Firth play? Oh, he, he plays an a animated weasel, fox. The bad guy. Yeah. And himself. <laughs> oh he yes he was the bank, bank man wasn't he yeah yeah. yeah yeah who had locked dick van dyke in the room next door apparently and uh, so they a had bank no man idea what was going on
0: a bank man, a banker who didn't understand the difference between a clock and the time <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah oh and i really hated lin manuel Miranda i thought he was oh, he's bad he's a bad actor in it. he's yeah, a like, magnificent really
0: songwriter should never be in front of the camera ever <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I've not seen him in anything else, but just... I've You know, I I know his hype. He's got a lot of hype, and um, yeah. What would you give it out of ten, Calvin? Out of interest? Five? Oh, I think that's what we gave it. Oh, that... i give it
0: six. Oh, shit.
1: Because it's, it's breezy enough, and the yeah. effects are great. And I like that they retained a lot of the 2D animation, the hand-drawn looking yeah, stuff.
0: Yeah, but... you know what? The hand-drawn animation was stunning. Absolutely beautiful. I'll, I'll give it yeah. that. So... After Mary Poppins, moving swiftly on, uh, we we did a, 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 a Laurel and Hardy episode. Um, and you know what those guys, Laurel and Hardy, much like Mary Poppins, were very musical, very musically inclined, weren't they? This doesn't feel like a clumsy segue. This isn't a clumsy <laughs> segue. It's a clumsy uh, hook for later. Keep hook. listening, guys. That's a hook We've got some musical (laughs) content coming your way We've got a nice music quiz Two actually, well four if you count next week Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, we we covered Stan and Ollie uh, The Laurel and Hardy sort of biopic But focused in on a very specific time in their lives What did you guys think of it?
2: Uh, we, we, not Calvin, didn't particularly care for Laurel and Hardy as a general concept. We think it's a bit, Mm. bit uh, shit, (laughs) but certainly we, I guess we're just out of date on that one, but Calvin actually laughs out loud at it. This is a film made all about them. It's obviously made with love. It's made by people who are big fans. So I wasn't really expecting that much, but I have to say I really liked it.
0: It's, it's a very pleasant yeah, little film, isn't it? It's not mind blowing or genre defining or anything, but it, it it's very light. There was and easy. something
2: very warm and familiar about it. It felt very just nice.
0: Yeah, it does what it does really well, and I I, I think I uh, I ended up reviewing this properly for uh, a magazine. Uh, but I think what I basically came down to at the end was that it just captures that that sense of like you say, warmth and friendship that was so endearing about Laurel and Hardy in the first place.
2: I will say, if there's one thing this film is missing, it's conflict, it's it's drama, because nothing really happens. There's a point where they kind of fall out for ten minutes and then they're fine again. There's never quite that dramatic tension where we feel like something might happen. There's not really any plot as such. But it, it it is just there's a nice little meandering look at these two people who've just been together for so long.
0: I think there's conflict. The conflict is that Stan is trying to get this film produced and can't. And the tour's going badly. The problem is whenever there's conflict it's kind of dealt with in a yeah. you know, the tour's not doing well and no one's coming to see them. Oh well, we'll do a bit of, we'll do a bit of promotion. <laughs> oh, it's, it's doing really well now. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that's that sorted. Of... Yeah.
2: Which is yeah, so I I mean yeah, it was just like not very dramatic, but like I said yeah, just a kind of pleasant experience. I really, really genuinely like this is the first film I've kind of enjoyed in about a year. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
0: I I think I made a point of I really like that it hones in on the twilight days. I think that's a lot more. I'm very rarely a fan of biopics that try and do like spanning the whole life of someone because you end up or the whole career. You just get a really meandering film with no structure that goes all over the place. Because this is, like, a very specific time in their lives. It's got proper story structure, and it it is just an interesting look and there's a sort of air of melancholy about it that I think heightens the Mm, the sort of the bond you know the strength of the bond between them which is obviously what the film kind of lives and dies on and it's I think it was a really interesting decision that pays off very nicely.
2: I did like uh, this balance they created of you know having these characters that are based on the real people obviously but then incorporating the Laurel and Hardy fiction characters into it, so yeah. When they're booking into a hotel and stands trying to carry all the suitcases and he's just falling over and like they weren't like that in real life, but then it it creates this little this mood and this character about them. Plus, there's always it's See, just I, it just manages. <laughs> you know, you can say you don't like that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that.
2: Well, I, I I know what you mean, but
0: it felt too inconsistently part of it. Well, I they do it a lot. Near the start. Yes. And it's kind of like, hang on, is is that them or what is this?
2: I kind of liked it because there was always this undercurrent that they were just, they were always on and they were just doing the shtick all the time.
0: Yeah, they do it a bit later on towards the end of the film, but then it's very clear when they're doing it that they're sort of performing to... yeah someone that they've just met, and that I like, Yeah. but yeah, I wasn't a big fan of there's a few instances early on where it is like, oh, they're just doing classic Laurel and Hardy bits, but no one's watching, and they're just kind of...
2: Yeah, for some reason I know exactly what you mean, but it did just work for me, it just sort of created this sense of like, you know, we know what we this is the characters, and yeah. I don't know. It was a nice, yeah. It was just a nice little package of this thing. Um, it, it's quite a simple film in the sense. There's only about yeah. there's only like five, maybe six characters in the whole thing. You know, really. Mm. You got Laurel and Hardy, the wives, the tour manager, and then maybe yeah. um, what's his face, the producer, uh, Hal Roach. So mm-hmm. very simple. And great, I thought the two wives worked really well. I don't know what yeah. I presume they're kind of based on the real life, but they they spark off each other really nicely. They they yeah. provide support to Laurel and Hardy in a way that just helps their characters work. There's no conflict between them either. Like the husband and wives are kind of happy together, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but yeah, they just bring a lot of energy to it. The the guy who plays the tour manager, it was. I-, I liked him, it was fine, it was a very sitcom performance.
0: I was going to say, it was a bit too big, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it, just it was just a bit too sitcom
2: but Steve Coogan always leans that way anyway. So, like, every now and then he was going down that road. So, it worked, it just
0: worked. Well, yeah, so, the two leads... Um, yeah, I've been I think, saving this I thought. think I said this, and... <laughs> well, I think they're both great, mm-hmm. but I think with Steve Coogan, you never quite lose the sense that you're watching Steve Coogan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas with John C. Riley, he just disappears into the role. It's like you're watching Oliver Hardy. Yeah, and, and I, I know he's got the prosthetic makeup to help there, but I, I do just think John C. Riley is a yeah. phenomenal, phenomenal actor. I, I love him to pieces. I, 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 I think he just. I, I, think it's frankly offensive that Steve Coogan's been Bafta nominated and and John C. Riley hasn't.
2: Really, that's interesting. Because he's British.
0: <laughs> well, that's it. I, I wonder if it's because he's the British one. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, those two central roles, uh, brilliant. I think they both kind of completely encapsulate the characters. I, I know what you mean, though. You, yeah, yeah, you, you do get a sense of Steve Coogan doing an impression of Stan Laurel, a very good impression, mm. whereas John C. Riley kind of becomes... Oliver exactly. Yeah, there's a, there is a sort of subtle difference there, and yeah, the two, the two. What? Didn't? Wasn't it weird? Like Shirley Henderson with like massive mm-hmm. John C. Riley. She was like a tiny little stick figure. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: And I, I think if you, you know, if we were massive Laurel and Hardy fans, I think we'd probably get more out of it, because there's some, you know, very impressive, faithful recreations of classic bits. Yeah. And, like I, I, I mentioned in the episode we did, there's the bit of a Laurel and Hardy film that never got made, that I assume is based on real stuff that was written. The but Robin could Hood just be stuff. Yeah, you know, when he has a little dream sequence, just imagine.
2: There was a couple of moments that felt a bit anachronistic, like, when he goes to this film producer's office and the secretary,
0: she just seemed so modern. She was like,
2: yeah, I'm has gone out. She up. was
0: the... Uh... Exact same thing as a tour manager. It just felt, yeah, too yeah, exactly, yeah. Sitcom y, yeah. Yeah.
2: But it worked. I mean, it was fine, but that was just these little weird moments that felt a bit inconsistent with the period. I gave it an eight. Oh. And this is the first eight, like, in terms of going to see something at the cinema, it's first eight I've given since uh, when we did the Oscars episodes, like um, Shape of Water, I gave an eight to. So it's like nearly a year since I had an eight experience in a film in the cinema. I just really enjoyed it. It was nice.
0: I think 75% between the two of them, that's about the perfect score for this film
1: Well, there's another nice mess you've
3: gotten me into
0: Well, no, what, what did you think, Calvin? Because I know you saw this one Yeah, I did, eventually uh, a few months later on
1: uh at home viewing and I really, really liked it. I thought it was lovely. It was a perfect Sunday afternoon viewing, very easygoing, very light drama, mm. very light comedy, yeah. kind of a lot of tragic overtones that are yeah. quite nice. Uh, yeah, sweet.
2: Yep. pretty much what we said, yeah, just very wholesome yeah. and kind
0: of nice. Um which yeah. is not something you get very often. Yeah. Catches the energy that makes the the pair so appealing to begin with. Uh, uh, Calvin what did you think of Alan popping up and distracting you in that scene where <laughs> oh, you it, see him it, about five times laughing it, it was Laura very distracting Hulk. whoever was doing the continuity for
1: that edit it, it just <laughs> All over. You looked like you were really enjoying
0: it as well. He then was. Then. It was, was he was. You know. He, you know. He complained about going to the Laurel and Hardy Museum, and I mean, some idiot sat laughing at all the films. I think he was just trying to cover his tracks because that was him. I reckon he just went and was just cracking up, and felt so ashamed of himself that he made up all this story about some kid. What would you give it out of ten, Carvin? Uh, I'd go eight. Oh nice. Yeah. I think Alan gave it. So in. did I. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Shockingly. It's, it's,
2: shocking. it's gonna be one of our best rated films of the year. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well it's you know, it's 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 the green book of this year, isn't it? It's everyone's yeah. second or third yeah. favourite pick. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I thought John C. Riley was magnificent. I love the man. Oh yeah. Mm. Um mm. anyway, after that we had a film I was incredibly excited for. The, uh, the the long-awaited sequel to Unbreakable, the film I thought would never get made, uh, M. Night Shyamalan's Glass.
2: Mm. Now, Calvin, you haven't seen this, have you? Which I'm shocked no by.
0: Yeah. This is the one you were really looking forward to. Mm. Mm. Me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you trying to tell us you didn't watch this one, Calvin?
1: No, no, I haven't seen this yet. Uh, I will do one someday, I'm sure, but when I can access it without giving it any money.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, you're adding nothing, Calvin. Roll the tape.
3: (laughs) This will be my final evaluation.
0: Basically, Unbreakable is uh, David Dunn's arc. Split is, you know the Horde, Kevin Wendell Crumb's arc, yeah. and then Glass is very much Samuel L. Jackson's Mr. Glass is, um, is it Elijah Price? Is that his real name? Yeah. It's very much his story and his arc, I think, really. Um, David Dunn gets very much left behind in this film, and uh, barely in it.
2: I He's definitely in it. He's a significant part of it. I wouldn't say that.
0: If, I, if Unbreakable was Act 1 of a superhero film, which it very much is, then this is very much Act Three, for all its faults, because superhero films often devolve into just a load of action bullshit. Um, yeah. In Act Three, get a bit bloated, and also you've you've had all the characters established and set up, and you know the start of the film, so they're not really concerned with doing any of that in Act Three. So that's kind of what this is. <laughs> um, yeah, the, and, yeah, and that's not to say I didn't. Like any of that, it's just it's a lot less thoughtful and interesting. It's a lot more conventional. Oh, this is just kind of what like where the story goes next, which is just sort of, you know, it's just kind of playing out how you basically expect it to. And then there's, uh, well, there's three big twists at the end, but the second one was enough to pretty much ruin the film for me. Um, <laughs> so will, that's kind I of guess where we will, I
2: stand. I guess it's, I didn't hate it, But the the structure was just a bit too all over the place. It didn't feel like it quite knew what it was doing. Oh, I
0: see. I quite like the structure of it actually. Well, my my
2: my main problem is that it felt very very meandering and slow at the beginning. I didn't really know where it was going. It does all kind of wrap up by the end. It does tie in. I liked all the stuff. I was I felt adrift for quite a lot of it. But it was it was things like the, the the Sarah Paulson character. I just didn't buy into anything that was happening there. It didn't feel real. And yeah, spoiler yeah, alert, agree. that was a reason for that. So I kind of paid off at the end. Yeah, but I yeah. just but I just thought it was kind of weak writing that they they what they were doing. The reason they'd imprisoned David Dunn just didn't feel very justified. You know, like given what he'd done. And...
0: There are multiple instances of people acting out of character in this film that I didn't really like, and there are multiple instances where, like you say, Sarah Paulson's character will say something, and I'll think, well, that's bullshit. Why would that be how it's set up? And then, like you say, at the end, it's all revealed, and it's like, okay. So maybe that's actually decent writing. Maybe that's, like, setting up a twist, but it, it's it's jarring. It, like you say, it just comes across as bad writing, initially. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I don't know. To dive in at the start, we, we, uh, we pick up with David Dunn, however many years on, and uh, I loved it. <laughs> It wasn't, like, mind-blowing or, like, some sort of revelation. It was kind of exactly what you'd expect, the most basic kind of, this is what he's doing now. But for someone who's as big a fan, as unbreakable as I am, to just have more of that. And the same kid playing his his son, yeah. but now he's an adult, which was just lovely bit of continuity there. And they've still got a really nice bit of chemistry, I think. He's
2: a good time actor. Time I, I don't think I've ever seen... Spencer Treat Clark, who plays the son, I don't think I've seen him mm. in anything since Unbreakable.
0: Yeah, I, a, I have?
2: He's a great actor. He's handsome. Like I'm. Just, I, I was really he's...
0: surprised. Yeah, I I was expecting him to be that classic thing where they get the child actor back because a lot of things do this that, this sort of thing once in a while, and it's always a bit like, oh you know, yeah, they can't act. And it's like, no, he's he's, he's a good actor. He's...
2: Yeah, I looked him up, and he does. He's working regularly. Like he, I, it's just stuff I haven't yeah. seen, but he is. He seems to be a solid. Um, working actor, so fair
0: yeah. Um, James McAvoy is always fun to watch doing his thing.
2: Yeah, I mean we discussed this a lot in our split episode, so you know we know we weren't quite down with the McAvoy, but it's a good performance, no doubt.
0: About yeah, that. but yeah. So very quickly, David Dunn bumps into him, tracks him down, and we basically get our big Act Three of a superhero film battle fight right up front which was quite an interesting way to do it and I, I think that was a very smart move for M. Night it was very much like right we've given you your, your, your superhero nonsense there they've had a big fight now we can kind of do the film that we want to tell which is them in this asylum what, what I wasn't a big fan of was the way throughout the film every other sentence is hey now this is just like in a comic book where yeah. this has happened it's like yeah no, we get it we get it.
2: <laughs> the main characters all have their own sidekicks as well. And all, not just bullshitted in, all from their original films
0: and stuff. Yeah. So. And again, I've seen a lot of complaints about them crowbarring these people in. I thought it worked really nicely. Yeah, I do think it was crowbarred
2: at all because they were there. They're, they're from yeah. the stories. You go, obviously, David Dunn's son, we talked about. David that Dunn's makes son. Makes perfect son sense.
0: Makes perfect sense, like you say. He's a great element within the film. Uh, Mr. Glass's mother. Great yeah. to see her reprising that role again. Brings a lot to the film. I think she makes perfect sense that she'd be there looking out for them. The only one that I guess is a bit of a stretch is um, Casey, Anya Taylor Joy from Split, who was. I think the way the what they actually victim. do
2: with it makes sense.
0: Yeah, it worked for me. It did
2: because the whole point of that ending of the film is that he saw something in her. That, yeah, you know that she his has his childhood seen... abuse as well. Yeah, do you know exactly? So. It makes sense that there would be some sort of empathy between them.
0: Uh you know what I really, really liked was they used a load of deleted scenes from Unbreakable as flashbacks.
2: Yeah. It was a bit weird, wasn't it? It was kinda of, I couldn't tell if they de-aged Bruce Willis. That's it. I think a load of people watching
0: it were like, Wow, that's the most impressive digital de-aging and casting of someone who looks like his son and like wow, they've it's, done a great it's also job. because
2: of the lighting that was used. It looked like it's they were trying to hide isn't it. it. Yeah, it looked it, like they were trying to hide kind of... the the face of this kid. And
0: and yeah, the big twist is that Mr. Glass killed your father. The the villain is because Samuel L. Jackson blew that train up at the start of Unbreakable, and his dad was on it. Felt quite contrived and dumb, on the other hand it felt very in keeping with superheroes Yeah, with comic book
2: lore that felt completely possible and not contrived
0: Yeah, and it was a nice it felt like a nice way to tie the whole thing together and I thought, oh, is that the big twist? That's alright, I like this, if this is kind of where we're going as an ending I'm on board with this Mm -hmm. Uh, But no, that's the first twist of three Twist number two Sarah Paulson's not a, 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 a doctor trying to treat them uh, she's part of some mystic secret society that's been around for thousands of years. Who try and keep the existence of superheroes under wraps. And Samuel L. Jackson was absolutely right: super beings exist, but there's a shadowy organization that suppresses it because when the villains, uh, when the heroes arise, villains also arise to combat them, and it causes trouble for everyone.
2: Yeah, as a as a concept, it's. I kind of like it, certainly as a comic book concept. As a
0: comic book concept, yeah. I don't think it fits into this world. And this is a world where I've bought into the horde who can climb up buildings like up the wall and stuff it it just
2: it feels a bit too much of a big thing to drop as a twist because it doesn't it doesn't work as a simple twist it kind of asks so many more questions yeah it feels like it's setting up for another film basically yeah it it kind of
0: did and 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 then the big sort of final twist is oh but elijah price has set up like hacked all the cameras to film everything and then Distribute it around the world and so everyone will know it's real and the cat's out of the bag And I didn't mind that as a concept I liked the idea of he's letting the cat out the bag and that it was this really nice aspirational hopeful message of like now everyone Will reach their full potential and everyone can go and be great and I liked those ideas What I didn't like was the scene with them sat in a train station (laughs) or wherever it was, where suddenly everyone, it went viral where everyone was looking on their phone as if it was like, you know, a plane had just gone into the the Twin Towers or something. This kind of thing is not the sort of news that would spread at that rate.
2: And and the problem with that is that it felt like it, it was this, they needed this big moment at the exactly. end where right? it was like this big thing, and that was the best they could do, and yeah. it's like, okay, we're going to have to fudge this to make it kind of work exactly, in this moment. Exactly, and it just
0: felt like a weak way to yeah, go out on uh, yeah. I, it. It was a really disappointing film. I, I didn't dislike it. I don't think I've ever been as baffled. As to how I feel about a film coming out of the <laughs> cinema before,
2: well, shall we rate it because that's going to give it a good indication yeah. for yeah. I, I gave it I gave it a six
0: okay um, I gave it a seven, mm. and I think that's me being quite generous, but I can't deny how much I enjoyed the the two thirds leading up to the ending i'm not I'm not very sure about that seven et cetera. Uh then then we, we did an Oscars episode as we are wont to do each uh each year. Mm. Uh we we did a little uh roundup of our thoughts, our reactions on, on the matter. To the results. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's have a listen. Ooh.
3: This moment is so much bigger than me.
2: Um mm. I've managed to not look up the results. Mm, um, impressive. Now I did catch on Facebook That Olivia Colman had won
1: ah, uh, Because mm, she's British mm.
2: So everyone cares over here mm. Well I th- I sort of half saw And then quickly looked away A picture of uh, Remy Malek oh. And, oh, no, yes. and I think he was Holding uh, a gold statue So did he win as well
0: Yes, yes. he did, yeah. no okay, surprise yeah. there Yeah not a big shock A lot of upsets really Oh good because I bet a on some of them, of them. Yeah, very surprising. <laughs> I mean, do you want me to us s- just tell you, or do you have a list well, in front let's of. Let's do you? it one at a time. Go on. Do you want me okay. to, I've got a list here. I can just kind of start from the bottom up to the top. They sure, tend to put yeah, the more yeah. important ones at the top. Um, foreign language film, Roma. No okay, surprise yeah, there. That no Did surprise you have money on either. that one?
2: No, I went for an That was the massive favourite. I went for a different one, the Polish one.
0: Um, short films were. No one cares about short no, films. No, I don't know any of that. That Pixar thing one, the that one but whatever. Uh animated feature went to Spider-Man. Not, oh, yeah, not yeah. a surprise we, we really kind of but that. yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I think it was good, well deserved. Right, first major upset. Visual effects went to First Man. Oh really? Not Not Black Avengers Panther or anything like that. Black Panther wasn't nominated was oh, was it? it Everyone thought it was going to be Avengers Infinity War, I think. You cause... see
2: you saw First Man, didn't you? Was it...
0: Yeah. Was it Visually Facty? Yeah, 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 it does. Um and you know it's but it's, it's quite sparing. It's not. I, I would have thought Avengers Infinity War deserved it because, like, every shot in that film is like a special effect or mm. multiple is special this... effects. And they bring a CGI character to life in a way that's, you know, remarkable. Well, that,
2: that, but do, do and... people who vote for this sort of thing. Because I imagine First Man is more like you're essentially imitating reality with your visual yeah. effects. Whereas Avengers is just like drawing a cartoon and it? It's like it's not. <laughs> Is that what people is that the sort of well, is, is that what people are voting against in that
0: sense? I mean maybe my my understanding with Infinity War is that they they had Josh Brolin on set in motion capture with like motion camera cameras hidden in the the set so that they could which is like that's you know he wasn't on his green screen he was like it was quite an unheard of way of doing it but it does seem to have made a difference with how I can see how that's happened but it was a bit of an upset. Okay. Um so, this award, I'm really pleased this happened. This is an upset, but I mm. think it's well-deserved. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody won for sound editing.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Fair
0: and there's been loads of backlash on Twitter and stuff. People going, oh, all they did is play Queen songs, but it's like no, they they edited together about five different people's vocals to to sound like one person. Yeah, if you're a taking it's, it's thirty year old of audio
2: painting. off a t- tape or something, and then like mixing it with a live performance and yeah. another live performance by someone else, and yeah, I think it's uh, it's completely seamless, which is, yeah. is I think is a point of quality.
0: Anyway, Bohemian Rhapsody also won mm-hmm. sound mixing, which okay. I'm I'm less But I don't know what, with, the, I'm don't happy know what the difference is, frankly. <laughs> Between sound, sound editing and sound mixing, I don't know. <laughs> sound editing is like you make all the sounds, basically, whereas sound mixing is so sound editing's encompassing Foley work and, mm-hmm. and, you know, actual editing. Sound mixing is like you make sure the volume's the right level. <laughs> <laughs> is that I, two I separate
2: things? Ba- is that two completely different disciplines I, that need two really think,
0: awards? Yeah, ju- I really think the Oscars should combine this into sound design. Just sound, yeah. Just so sound, mm. post-production sound award. <laughs> Yeah, because sound mixing... I mean, I would have given that to A Star Is Born, I think, personally. I think the audio levels were pretty on point in that film, but... uh, Yeah, not going to complain about (laughs) it. How do you even come to to
2: decide what...
0: Original song was shallow, no surprise there. Is that the Lady Gaga one, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Original score, this was a nice little upset. I think the most deserving, personally. Black Panther won it. Oh, yeah? Uh, Makeup and hairstyling went to Vice, rightly so.
2: Mm. Wonderful
0: makeup in that film. Uh, costume design, another upset, but one I'm very happy with because I think it was most deserving. Black Panther won it. All right, yeah, fair enough. Everyone, everyone thought it would be the favorite, but well, it's just costume Black design, Panthers... right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: this is original stuff. It's not quite the same exactly. as mm. sort of doing your historical research. It's and know... I
0: have to say, I I really noticed the costumes when I was watching Black Panther. I really did sort of think, oh wow, these are these are cool, <laughs> which isn't something I normally do. <laughs> Uh, production design, exact same thing. Black Panther won it. And again, mm, rightly yeah. so. Very really deserved, yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, now, here we are. Here's a major upset and one that is really not deserved and just baffling. Film okay. editing. Okay. Bohemian Rhapsody. See,
2: that's the same principle as the sound editing, I suppose, but they're not mixing in the <laughs> footage, really, were they? It's the just... thing
0: is like enough people have dug up clip. like i was never particularly impressed with the editing in bohemian rhapsody but i wasn't watching it as like an oscar con- you know and i mean i i kind of forgot what it was like people have dug up clips now on twitter just to demonstrate what the editing's like and it is shocking the <laughs> the, the clip that's been making the rounds is um the one with them sat outside the restaurant where they're kind of talking to i think the guy who's going to sign them and it's just it's cut like a like a born movie or a taken movie. It's just every two like beats. It's just like cut, cut. There's no chance to watch a reaction, or it's like people have confused best editing with most editing. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I don't know. Like, I've not seen the film still, but with all the
1: director problems and whatnot. Yeah, like, I did wonder, wonder about, about uh, that. Uh... When yeah, yeah sure. maybe they just thought... If they maybe, had to salvage
0: Maybe it. that's the... In, <laughs>
2: in the industry, everyone knows, like, that the editor, I really
0: pulled that out of his eye. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I was wondering that, yeah. Um, cinematography, Roma. No surprise there. Well-deserved, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. Although I haven't seen Cold War. Uh, adapted screenplay went to Black Klansman, which I think, really? yeah, ni- very um, pleased with that. Well, out know. of... Out, what would you give it to? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get involved... Frankly. <laughs> 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 um original screenplay went to yeah. Green Book. Which no. okay. I think fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Directing Alfonso Curran uh,
2: yeah, we saw that coming, didn't we? Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh Supporting Actress Regina King, Regina King. Fair That's enough, from Beer really. Street
2: could talk, right? Yeah, I haven't seen that yeah, one. I haven't front, seen either, one. but she was the big
0: favourite, so. Supporting actor Mahashala Ali. Okay, yeah. The obvious one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, Best Picture review. was an upset. It went to Green Book, which we, I think we predicted. No, we said that was going to be... We, cause, well, our argument was,
2: you you suggested that they use the alternate vote system, um, which I assume you were correct, and Green Book would be in a lot of second and third favourites. Yeah. Do you know what? I'd love to be able to see the numbers of the votes. and like, It'd be her, great, yeah, wouldn't you know, it, if they released that information. To, yeah, yeah. Them.
1: But it's getting a load of um, yeah, uh, oh, flack,
0: isn't mass- it? Yeah, yeah, yeah massive. Backlash, again, which not I think seen is very, un- it, but... very undeserved. Well, it's
2: yeah. not. It's not a film that's going to ring down the ages. In thirty years, people aren't going to point to it as a classic. But that is completely true. Could you, but the, what, the, the what, backlash which backlash these nominees would have, you know, is,
0: the backlash mm. it's getting is like hatred for perceived racial patronizing. Like, like apparently, Spike Lee stood up and tried to leave and was like shouting. And could be heard off camera, and then like couldn't get out the doors and went back to his seat. (laughs) Apparently, Jordan Peele refused to clap when it was announced on the uh, the red carpet outside. Afterwards, um, there's a clip going round of Spike Lee talking to a British reporter and going, "Are you are you British? Are you British?" Maybe you'll understand this. It wasn't my cup of tea, (laughs) and they're like (laughs) laughing. I like the other thing that he said about like how because the last time he lost an Oscar was
1: for against driving Miss Daisy or something. Oh, was it? He was like, yeah, he was like, oh god, if it's like a film where someone's driving someone else, I've just got no chance. He was like, Green Book's just driving Miss Daisy reversed.
0: A lot of people are getting really angry, saying you know it's white savior this and white people don't have to feel bad about racism because they solved it in this film, and it's like I don't think that's quite. I understand where they're coming from but
2: yeah it's a bit,
0: bit Yeah like the film taken on its own merits isn't you know it's 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 hearts in the right place it's not mm. saying anything wrong it's it's the film isn't saying that that that's just a reading and like, I get where they're coming from but I think it's a bit unfair it's being called the worst best picture winner since crash <laughs> um I think it's all a bit unfair but then to be fair it is a very it was a very weak year for um Nominees, which I think reflected a weak year for films in general. Honestly, mm. I, 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 yeah. Well,
2: I had I had a bet on Green Book for Best Picture and Best Original Screenplay, so I won both Ooh, of
1: those. Congratulations! Mm. So how much have you and
2: down overall? I'm up. Well, I put on six bets of a pound each, and I've won a total of eight pound fifty. So, uh,
0: oh, you beat me. I think <laughs> I'm about seven pound fifty up for me for my stuff. Put three quid on Green Book, which obviously won Best Picture. And I put a quid on Bohemian Rhapsody for sound editing, <laughs> which uh, came in all right. So, yeah, I'm £7.50 up, I believe.
2: Uh, Calvin, you don't gamble with money?
0: <laughs> uh, no.
1: <laughs>
2: good good for you. Mm. Mm. Loser.
1: Oh, it's my privilege.
4: Thank you.
0: <laughs> Green book. <laughs> <laughs> Lady Gaga. Oh, Olivia Coleman. Treasure of the nation, treasure of the nation. We all love Olivia Coleman now. Oh right. (laughs) Um, And shortly after Oscar season, Captain Marvel came out. The uh, the respite between Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, uh, not counting Ant Man and the Wasp because that film was so immediately forgettable. Let's see what we thought of that.
4: My name is Carol.
0: Well, th- this film has been getting a weirdly mixed reaction. It invoked the wrath of cunts online, <laughs> horrible misogynistic bellends. The same people who went after the 2016 Ghostbusters reboot. See, I'm not.
2: I don't. I don't associate myself with the the internet people. So, wh- what are they saying? What's the just? Oh, it's a woman. Boo. Basically, is that, is that basically a lot of the same
0: people who went after Black Panther as well. Um, is there any
2: kind of substance to it, or is they just... Well, not really, but I,
0: I, really, I do wonder to what extent them putting out thousands of fake reviews, hitting these same talking points that are bullshit, in my opinion, um, is influencing people to be a bit more negative about this one. But I don't know how anyone who loves Marvel films could pick this one out as being noticeably worse than any of the others and yet I've spoken to a few people who say this is their least favourite one just don't like it and and I'll be honest, none of them really seem to be able to justify it very well um, the, the the main talking points that keep coming back again and again are, so number one I've heard complaints that there are too many 90s references in the film
2: I, I, will, I will throw that up it felt, yeah, there was a really? lot of like there's a lot For of just films? like Hey, this is the '90s. Hey, look, listen to this song. It's from the '90s. Yeah, oh, look, I mean, it's a
0: videotapes. They're from the '90s. That's what it's doing, though, isn't it? I mean, I'm all, I'm fine with that. It's a jokey hmm. bit of nostalgia, and and Marvel have done this before with the '80s, mm-hmm. and people lapped it up. But for some reason, they don't like it with this one. I lapped it up here. I thought it was funny. I they she lands in blockbuster. Yeah, and well, I, thought, I like perfect, that because perfect setting. We know yeah. exactly what that means. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's yeah. all you need. Stan Lee has the best cameo in the entire <laughs> history of Stan Lee cameos. I laughed out loud in the cinema. No one in the cinema seemed to understand what was so funny. <laughs> you know, just
2: on the side, you know, the at the beginning where they have the Marvel like little yeah uh, insignia thing, and they replaced all the characters with Stan Lee. Yeah. And then it and then it came up saying thank you, Stan. I think it said. Yeah. Little tribute, fine. There was someone in the cinema I was at, like a couple of rows behind me, some lads, and one of them just went, "He's never going to see it." (laughs) 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 True. Can't argue with that. Who's that Uh, for? (laughs) That's brilliant.
0: (laughs) But no, I I really enjoyed that And I thought the soundtrack, I thought having a 90s soundtrack Worked perfectly It was the Guardians of the Galaxy thing But it worked again, Mm. it justified The thing, it gave it a unique flavour
2: like, the the early 90s and the 90s is really my era, so like, there was a lot... It was the first time I ever watched one of these films and gone, oh, I like these songs. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, some of them were a bit like, oh, what's weird hearing this in this context.
0: Uh, another major issue that they have, and I think this is legitimately a bullshit complaint, the same people... They say it's like Superman. She's too powerful, therefore there's no conflict at any point in the film because she's basically... By the got... end. And exactly... That's bullshit because she's super She She becomes, like, ridiculously powerful in the last ten minutes having completed her character arc to yeah. earn those powers within a writing context. So it's bullshit. If your only complaints are, well, that's going to break the Marvel universe moving forward, let the future films worry about that. This film's doing its own thing and it works fine. My,
2: yeah, my, my thought was, like... Okay, so what's the next film then? Like what? Because now she's Superman. Like what's that? Yeah. But yeah, within this film itself, yeah. it wasn't and, an issue.
0: And I'm sure in the next film they will explain exactly how powerful she is and what we. Like, I'm sure they'll get into that. But they, you don't need that here. It's irrelevant. Point number three. Uh, I've seen a lot of people complain about Brie Larson herself. They say she's a very bland, uninteresting character. She gives a very boring performance. I, I completely disagree. I think she brings a lot of personality to the role.
2: I don't completely disagree with that. Um
0: I don't think she's a, a Robert Downey Jr. Tone she's start. not a Chris Hemsworth. She's yeah, not Chris Hemsworth. the reference but I said. Yeah she I think hasn't? she's I think she's a, a Chris um Evans. Yeah I think she's a Chris Evans. Yeah but is that the the
2: bar we're aiming at now? Is that what we're happy with? Um Chris Evans. But that character's deliberately bland as well. Like the character supposed to be like Mr. Blando.
0: Well, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think she has a good bit of personality. She's a bit of a blank slate in this film, but she's developing a personality throughout it. I think she'll have more personality going forward.
2: Yes. Well, I think this is definitely Okay, so I haven't seen Brie Larson in much, but I've seen her do very, very good acting. Like she's good, she's very good at the emotional I'll score stuff. I Talking to the little kids and stuff like that, she was good at that bit. You're right, yeah. great. the the big the personality character quips bit felt like someone reading a script. It was like that. It felt very much like this is the character we've written. Can you do it? Rather yeah, than like she... rather than letting whatever personality she has got kind of come into it a little bit, let her bring her own thing to it. Uh, it felt like, look, we need another Thor. Like, let's just yeah, do I think, this.
0: I think that's fine, and I think that'll work going forward. Because remember. It took them about three films to really figure out how to handle Chris Hemsworth and for him to quite get his grip on how to play Thor. Yeah, and the original
2: Thor it... is quite different, isn't it? The yeah,
0: first and now he's got it down and he's great in that role and the character's great. And I I think this is the same. I think they're just kind of finding their feet with her a bit, but she, she works fine in this film. I thought she was likable. And let's not forget, this is a twofer, It's not just her carrying the film. She's paired up with Samuel L. Jackson, Mm -hmm. who is one of these guys you can just leave on autopilot, and it will be magnificent. And he, yeah,
2: so you don't need them to clash, do you? Yeah,
0: and he, this is Samuel L. Jackson bringing his, you know, maybe not quite his A game, but certainly his B game. Like he's putting the effort in, he's doing a good job. And the uh, and the digital de-aging effects are remarkable, I, I have to say. It's completely they, uh, seamless, isn't it? It, it is completely incredible that, that, that we're at that reasonable. point. But yeah, it, it's insane. I've seen a lot of fucking idiots complain that this is, you know, a film that emasculates men, women are all competent, men are all evil and incompetent. And it's like, what the fuck film did you watch? There's one villain who's a man. There's also multiple heroes who are men. As well as like four female characters who are good and strong, but there's lo- like there's n- anyone who could read a kind of sexist reading from that of like anti men. It's baffling to me. And one of the big points that they take is that they say it emasculates Nick Fury because they turn the thing with his eye into a joke. I loved that. I thought that was <laughs> hilarious. I thought that was the How is that emasculating? Well, exactly, because they wanted it to be. You know, like what he says, an alien tortured him by gouging his eye out, and it's really cool. And it's like, no, but that's, one, that's so obvious. Two, this film gives you that. There are multiple points where he nearly loses his eye for, like, a legitimate reason, <laughs> because he's fighting it's aliens. a silly thing. Which is completely in tone with the sort of humour
2: they use. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's, and, and it's quite in keeping with that character that it's this kind of enigmatic... Yeah, hard personality, and, and, he, and you I don't mean, know this...
0: his full backstory because he creates an aura around himself as no, well. It, that was perfect. That, yeah, yeah, yeah no, I really liked it. Uh, what about Goose?
2: Goose, I love a cat. I love cats. Yeah. I love a cat acting. Uh, yeah, fine. I was, I was very happy with the the cat. I
0: see, a lot, I, a lot of people don't like Goose, but I think it's because it's a silly cat in the film. I'm all. I think every film should have a silly cat in it. So I'm fine <laughs> yeah. with that.
2: But yeah, I, I liked, I like that. So yeah, just to quickly go back, I think. Brie Larson and the character, you know, I think, yeah, I think, hopefully, it'll kind of grow on her a little bit. A- a- anytime she ran, <laughs> it was like, have you, you know, when Phoebe and Friends goes running, I don't know, if you're particularly <laughs> familiar, it was like that. It was oh, like, God, it was God, just like right. this. Right. It strikes me as someone who's probably not that physically active and doesn't like hasn't been like, you know. Yeah. Doing physical training her whole life. This is like she's had to just buff up for the film. So, and it was the running it particularly showed. And then in the fight scenes and stuff, it looked all right. It was fine.
0: Yeah. Uh, what would you give it? I gave it seven. I give it, seven. oh, I give it an eight. Seven's pretty good for me to be. That's really saying, good for, for, you, yeah. for this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Species, human male, threat, low to none. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, it was good, wasn't it? It was good. Uh... I don't know. What was it? <laughs> yeah, you liked it. You liked Captain Marvel. Oh yeah, yeah. You were really Did positive I... about it. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, you were really positive. You said Not um, actually, something yeah, yeah, to the I liked
2: to, of, I like the music.
0: You said something yeah. to the effect of Oh, you like the music, eh? You like music? That oh <laughs> if you like music you should hang around for about two thirds of a way into this episode there'll be some more music. <laughs> Ooh. Uh talking of music uh, we we had a film that went from being a musical to being a kind of horrible, hot topic interpretation of a musical. Uh, Tim Burton's Dumbo remake. Mm. Let's see what we thought of that. Dumbo, the night wonder of the universe. Tim Burton,
2: we we've had our issues in the past. <sighs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> Should we, we just get straight into it? Him? This was an abomination of a film, wasn't it?
0: What's happening? <laughs> why why is this happening? What? I love Tim Burton and I love Dumbo. I,
2: I... Unfortunately, this film contained the the worst
0: of both of them. It, re- it reminded me of M. Night Shyamalan.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just like a fall from Grace. <laughs> but it's it's just it's unacceptably bad. I I, I really can't believe that something with this budget, with this heritage, with this significance in terms of its wide release, with the talent behind it, there's no reason, there's no excuse for it being this bad, because it's not just a boring story or, or something's not quite clicking. It's
0: it's just a badly made film. That's that's what I found amazing on just purely on a filmmaking level, on a kind of technical level. This film is badly shot. It is badly edited. Mm. It is badly acted. Oh.
2: Apart from Danny DeVito, every single person in this film is miscast. Uh, and for the most part, look like they are being... Like one of their family members has a gun to their head. That's the only reason <laughs> that. You, I do not believe for a minute that Colin Farrell is happy on this film. He's Colin
0: Farrell isn't giving a, good a particularly <laughs> awful... Performance here, but he certainly can't do an American accent. <laughs> but that's why I
2: said miscast because I know a yeah. lot of these actors are good actors, so I'm not just want to say they're shit. Well,
0: because he, because he, because he kind of had shades of John C. Riley. Kids, I'm here <laughs> at the circus. I'm here at the circus, but I, I keep going a bit Irish. Oh, <laughs> kids! I, I know I lost my arm, but I'm, I'm still your dad. That's all he does. The whole film it's just him sort of. In in like vague disbelief of what's going on. That's it. He, that's his character. Okay, Sorry. yeah.
2: So Danny DeVito's doing his thing, and he's fine. Is
0: it's a role he, he's played it, before? It, it is he's, the he's the most bland Danny DeVito performance yeah, I've ever seen. Not, it's, he's it's fine. not good. Danny DeVito, he gets away with being in the film in a way that most people don't. But I don't think I've ever seen him give bring such little to something but i don't think that's his fault you know i think he's yeah. bringing his he's trying michael keaton
2: right michael keaton 30 years ago made beetlejuice and tim burton is absolutely convinced that he is a classic comedy character
0: actor um and I... he's
2: not <laughs> he's just not
0: got... can i give you my interpretation of what happened here my yeah, my on. best guess T- um tim burton Made this film, developed this film, worked with the writer. Said, "I kind of want this in it, this here." Thought, "Oh, this is my part for Johnny Depp." Uh, <laughs> Disney go, "Oh no, you can't hire him." So uh, problematic at the minute. Tim Burton went, "Oh, who did I used to use before Johnny Depp?" Went through his phone book. Oh, Michael Keaton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's thought <laughs> sort of the same thing, isn't he? No, he's not. Should have got uh, Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> He should have. That would have worked. <laughs> that would have been great. I think what Mike. I think Michael Keaton again. I, I think Michael Keaton's really trying here. Yes. I think he's bringing a lot of something to what he's doing here. I think it's been badly directed, mm. and no one really quite knew what to how to shape it into something coherent. I think he's one of the better things in this film, but it still doesn't work. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll grant you that he's one of the few people that look like they're trying. I'll give you that. Um, Similar. Similar thing, the uh, Helena Bonham Carter character, except it's now Eva Green.
2: Yes, again, someone who looks like they're being held
0: hostage uh, throughout the entire film. I I think she's one of the better elements, again, in that, like, it was fine. There was nothing particularly about her character here, but to be fair, I don't think I've ever, like, with the greatest of respect to Eva Green, I can believe she's capable of a lot more, but all I've got to go on are her Tim Burton movies. (laughs) That's all I've really seen her in. um, Which, you know, now, did Probably you know, isn't doing her any favours. Um, did,
2: did you know that the character she's playing is supposed to be French? Because <laughs> it was not apparent uh, by the I accent did, she was doing. Yeah, she's I doing a that, kind of a Russian accent. She's a, uh, John Malkovich. Uh, I did gather it was meant
0: to be French. Yeah, Initially, yeah. I was like, oh, she's kind of Eastern European. But no, yeah, I did, I did pick up on it being French. Um, <sighs> does she not make some comment about like, uh, when I saw the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of flying around and looking at the baguettes in Paris. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: The children. Right, okay. Before we come on to the individuals, answer me this question. Why are there two of them?
0: <laughs> yep.
2: Do you think they told that girl, the actor, to distinctly not show any emotion whatsoever? Yeah, at, I do, at, at,
0: actually. I do think Tim Burton was directing her to do it as lifeless as possible. Because mm. I got a real Wednesday Adams vibe from it. And it felt weird and put on. And I did actually get a strange vibe that I think she's capable of a lot more, but she's been directed in a fucking weird way. Well, here. I hope and for I her sake she gives you. I think that's I I oh god, and it's a bad performance, but I I, I my guess is it's Tim Burton's fault. I think he's directed her to it as yeah. lifelessly as she possibly can, because Tim Burton remembers Wednesday Adams, and Tim Burton remembers seeing some little girl in Aliens or something. But that's it, it's like, not like <sighs> There was, was a similar thing I remember when I saw Alice in Wonderland with Mia... is it Mia Wachowski? Is that her name? Mia... Wazikowska or something like that. Well, yeah. yeah. Something like Wachowski. And I, re- I remembered that. watching that film thinking this is weird. This actor, who I've never really seen in anything before... In about 50% of the shots, she's giving amazing, interesting delivery to these lines. In about 50%, it's the most weirdly lifeless, nothing delivery. And I've seen her in other things since, and she's a very good actor. And I, I just, I think Tim Burton's got a weird thing for lifeless women. <laughs> and there's this whole host of supporting characters that are like the circus troupe. should be loads of really exciting Tim Burton characters there. That should be Tim Burton's time to shine. I think the closest thing we have to a, a kind of Tim Burton freak is a fat woman.
2: But that's it, and they, they haven't even got She the, hasn't even got a beard. They haven't got the courage to call her the fat lady. They call her the mermaid. And she just sits in a, a, a glass box
0: being fat. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? i say if Tim Burton had made this 10, 15 years ago, we would have had... What's he called? Deep Roy would have been in there. The <laughs> <Hawaii and> turn up. <laughs> we would have had. I guess maybe with Danny DeVito in the in the circus, it was too many little people. Then um, <laughs> Yeah, we would have had that one of the freak people from uh, American Horror Story Freak Show. One of those like weird looking like actual freaks. Well, I, I think Tim Burton would have gone to an actual freak show. freak show and cast a load of real life oddballs. In fact, it would be. It would just be other people from Big Fish. It'd be the giant from Big Fish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would be yeah the the twins from Big Fish. Steve Buscemi. Eh? <laughs> yeah, an odd looking guy. <laughs> it's like th- this is an olden day circus. Oh, we've given birth to an elephant. Well, fuck me, that elephant's got big ears. Fuck, we're not interested. Get rid... Take it back. We don't want it. No one's going to want to see an elephant with different ears to a normal elephant. Fucking hell. (laughs) And then... Oh, so, hang on. No, the freak show's already full. We can't do anything with it. It's no good for anything. Dress it up like a baby. Oh, it's fine. What is this show? Well, it's a show where we just take an elephant out in front of everyone, but the second (laughs) they realise its ears are big... They all go, oh, gross, disgusting. <laughs> hey, hey, it's me, Alan Arkin. I'm the banker. So you got a lot of money tied up in the bank, haven't you, Mr. Michael Keaton? This be- this better show better be the best show in the world. Well, how about a flying elephant? Great. Yeah, but you told me it was going to fly around the tent five times, and he only flew around the tent three times. I don't see how this show is fucking viable. How's <laughs> anyone going to want to come and see a- an elephant who only flies around three times? You've... Fucking idiot! The bank's <laughs> taking your money away. You can't you, you What is this? Uh, what about,
2: film? Yeah, just very, very badly written, very And but this is the worst thing, right? The fact that Dumbo himself is really an
0: afterthought. It always feels like he's forgotten. Well, Dumbo is the best thing this film has going for it. The the there's still a lot of personality, a lot of charm in the little CGI elephant, even though he looks like a wet chamois leather. Um, but not not still... a,
2: not really a lot of charm, not a lot of personality there.
0: Considering not it's not supposed to be the central character. To say yeah, to say he's the center selling point of a Disney film with millions of dollars behind it. It should have been better, but I I couldn't help but think I oh, still quite cute little elephant. Mm. So I, I mean, I'm giving this a five. Mm. And that's really a very generous five. If if we did halves, mm. it would be a four point five out of out of ten. But, um...
2: There you go. I thought I was being generous. I gave it two. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not. It's not acceptable.
4: Did you ever see an elephant fly?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was me just throwing up at the <sighs> thought. Of... That film—it's not even—it wasn't even that bad. So it wasn't was overrated. It wasn't that bad. It was awful. It was bad. Calvin, it, I, it wasn't even.
2: Calvin, di- have you have you subjected yourself to the horror of Dumbo?
1: No, I haven't. Based on your guys's uh, review <laughs> of it, actually, I stayed well clear.
0: Yeah, yeah keep it that good way. Good idea. Keep it that way. Mm. I mean, it, the thing is, it's not even—it's not even Disney's worst live-action remake this year. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. So, <laughs> no, it isn't. Not even close. Anyway, more on that later. Uh, but right now, <laughs> Pet Cemetery. Didn't they already do that in the 80s? I thought. <laughs> Wasn't it 1990?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it was like 1989,
0: 1988, I think, the first one. No, I think right. the second one might be 1990. We, 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 well, this is what we thought.
3: There's that damn road.
0: Uses up a lot of animals
2: the remake of Stephen King's pet cemetery.
0: Yes, interesting that you use the word remake there. This this is very much a remake I would say, even though it, it it kind of presented itself as a new adaptation of the book. I would say this is very much a remake of the 1989 was it 89
2: film? Something along those lines. Yeah, it was I was going to ask that because it's definitely an adaptation of the same story. It's
0: got all the same beats basically. Yeah.
2: Um but is that cuz they're in the book or is it
0: A bit of both. I mean, yeah. they've definitely gone back to the book, but at the same time, this is a film made, and like this really struck me watching it, this is a film made for people who've seen the 1989 film. There are multiple instances that are very specifically playing off of your expectations that come about from having seen the previous film that that uh, more in the final act but basically from the point at which it's it shot and presented as though Gage is about to die because that's what yeah. happens in the uh in the original film and the book and then they do the big twist reveal that was ruined in all the marketing material and the trailers that it's actually the little daughter Ellie who gets killed in this one but then there's loads of little bits after that. For example, um, when the girl is hiding with the the scalpel under the bed and John Lithgow's going up there, Judd's upstairs with his feet exposed, and you're thinking, oh, she's going to chop his feet up. Right, she's mm. going to get his heel. And then he kicks the bed out of the way because he's, rem- he's seen Pet Cemetery and he knows what happens. <laughs> and uh, she's not under the bed. There's a lot of very self-aware mm. little bits like yeah, that. Yeah, is like
2: that it. just little nods to it, or is that it's not? I don't think you need you need that stuff to to appreciate if you'd never seen the original.
0: I don't know. I I, I thought it was very much a film made for fans of Pet cemetery Who've I mean, fucking hell! It, it has the same Ramon song at the end covered by yeah, a new band. It, it's that's that's for people who've seen the film. That's surely yeah. It,
2: but I don't right. think you need to have seen that to no, appreciate you don't need what's going to, on
0: in no. this film.
2: You know, obviously to compare it to the original, it's significantly better made, It's the acting yeah. is a superb the, improvement.
0: Just, the, the writing is, uh, yeah, it, pretty much everything. The writing is more streamlined, it, it takes a lot of the elements from the book that are silly and messy and makes them work a lot better in very subtle ways. It's, you know, it's oh, yeah, very it's, it's close just, to the book.
2: It's just well written and well directed rather than shoddily written.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I will what I will say though is that it lacks the charm of the original. Uh,
0: completely. Yeah.
2: And, and it definitely yeah, yeah. feels more like a s- standard horror fi- a well-made but, st- but straight-up horror film.
0: It feels like this modern which it is, it feels like this modern wave of Stephen King stuff that it, it that it's from as in very mm-hmm. well-made stuff from fans of the material but um I don't know if that's I don't know. It, it's it, like it's really nicely shot. Uh, like you say, the acting's a hell of a lot better. Even though it's only like I don't know, is what is Jason Clark? Do I like him? I can't. Tell. <laughs> yeah, he, he gives a good, good performance. In things, here. Yeah, it's good. Like yeah. to give him credit, he's good in this, but he's also an incredibly bland. <laughs> yeah, he's got a
2: touch of the Jeremy Renner about him. It's I mean, a, he, he's a know. big
0: improvement over whoever it was in the original film, Amy Simms. Yeah, uh, never seen her in anything. It. Never seen her in anything before, but she's she's, she's very again good. good. She she makes that part work. It's quite a difficult part to play, I think, because it, it's it'd be very easy to come off as incredibly unlikable as um, mm-hmm. whatever her name is was as we in the original. Found out in the first film.
2: Yeah. Can I can I say though? Can I add? Uh, this is this was my kind of takeaway from this film, which I didn't get from the original. Was that this story should be the wife's story like she's the one that has a character journey. about. Like, she's the one who's got a problem with death because of her past. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, she yeah. has to kind of overcome that. Whereas the dad is very sort of cold and logical. Yes. But, and so, but we, we didn't quite get a sense that, okay, he has to deal with emotions now. And he can't deal with it in a cold mm-hmm. and logical way. I don't know, it just didn't quite play. Whereas yeah. her story is much more engaging.
0: Um, John Lithgow had some big, big shoes to fill. I mean, fucking hell, Herman Munster had massive feet. Hey, he uh, was a Frankenstein.
2: Yeah, I mean, John Lithgow, excellent actor,
0: and he's doing a good performance. Here. He more or less does fill those yeah. shoes, more or less. Unfortunately, I it's just
2: it's missing the character and the charm. I was going to say, he's that... not
0: quite as good as uh, Fred Gwynn, I would say. Fred Gwynn just had so much charisma and charm in what he was doing. John Lithgow is making this work in a much more realistic, toned-down film world you know and he does a great job and he's very Mm. likable but he's he's just not given quite as much opportunity i think to do it and you know it's about as good as we could have hoped for but i would still take fred gwynn over him in this film yeah yeah I love their modernization of what the uh, the grounds were as well cuz I knew they weren't going to go down the Indian burial ground. Yeah. That's that's But it was it was just, just archaic, a burial ground silly. that Indians
2: were scared of. That's
0: what yeah. it was, which but, but that's fine. But they didn't shy away from it. They brought the Wendigo myth into it, which I was so happy with. I love I, I don't know how familiar you are with, you know, nah, not really, mythology no, no. and real life horror and all this shit. But the Wendigo is a real um Myth, you know, it's a it's a belief that Native American culture largely had. It 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 was largely um, existed as a means to uh, discourage cannibalism up in the the Rocky Mountains. Um, this idea that if you eat people, you'll get possessed by the Wendigo and, and become a madman. And, and I thought they did a great job of realizing that. It, visually speaking, it was very um, interesting and just quite unnerving. I thought they did a remarkable job in giving us a gauge almost exactly the same as the original gauge like mm. we we praised the little kid's performance in the previous film and the little kid in this was great it's actually two little kids um but, Certainly
2: not asked to do as much, but they they deli- they seem to deliberately give him a similar personality and yeah, yeah, like, the, the way he does stuff, yeah.
0: But I think again that's why I'm saying this felt like a very meta self aware remake for people who'd seen the original. That seemed mm. to be to me playing off the original film rather than the book. Yeah, um, that bit was, yeah. Um The Little Girl? Yeah, as far as little girls go, she was quite good. Perfectly good, yeah. I think she was one of the weaker performances in the film, but for a little Nothing girl, like she it. was... Fun. Yeah, she was good.
2: And she is asked to do a bit of heavy lifting, like when she becomes a, a creepy zombie kid.
0: That's it. It's not, it's not like a an easy role for a yeah. kid to dig into. Yeah, yeah. So they, they the big difference is obviously they kill the daughter instead of the, the little boy, which was like, yeah, fair enough. That, that allows for a lot more depth in what we're doing, a lot more interesting stuff to happen. But then, you know, the way that plays out is fucking mental, you know? She she starts burying the dead in the graveyard herself, which is mm-hmm. like in Pet Cemetery Two. She starts creating more zombies. The dad gets um killed. We we basically end with this ominous shot of Gage looking through the front of the car, the zombie family approaching, Gage being like, the fuck then the <laughs> zombie cat jumps up on the front of the car, licks his lips. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. <laughs> terrible ending. <laughs> Did you think it was terrible? Oh, it was just it was the most it was just a classic. We've written ourselves into a corner here. We've got no ending. <laughs> we <laughs> yeah. don't know what to do. I guess that's the end of the film. Fade to black. <laughs> Cuz I was I was I mean I was engaged. I was enjoying it. I was like, "Where's this going?" Oh, nowhere. Nowhere. Well, that was
2: it because you know you've seen the original. You know that doesn't really have an ending, yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> and then, and so you're thinking, okay, they've changed some bits
0: here. So where is it going? If that ending had been a bit more satisfying, this would have been a solid eight out of ten for me. But it lost a point. I'm giving it a seven, and mm. I feel like I'm being quite generous, honestly. It, it was mm. it was great up until that ending, and then that ending just kind of. <laughs>
2: Yeah, funnily enough, it didn't. It, I know exactly what you mean, but it didn't. It didn't really bother me. I don't. I wasn't expecting anything really. It was like I didn't know. Yeah. Like there's nowhere to go with it. There is no ending. That's the problem.
0: I kind of agree, except everything about how this had been reworked and put together leading up to it was so well done. I kind of just thought, okay, they're going to do something They're going to figure idea. out an ending as well. Why would they make all these weird changes if they weren't going to have figured out some sort of a satisfying conclusion?
2: I'm with you. I gave it a
0: 7. I mean, ultimately, I prefer the original. Overall.
1: No fear.
0: Calvin, you haven't seen that one, there have you? you? No. No. No? Alright. Well, moving on then. Hellboy. So, from Ooh. one sort of demonic entity raised in, you know, abomination, affront to God and nature, <laughs> to another. <laughs> Hellboy. <laughs> what do we think of Hellboy, Alan? Uh This. Beware my
2: claw, for I have come to inflict justice. Okay, there was a new Hellboy. They were trying to reinvent it, re- reboot it. It's not been well received.
0: I, I think the first review I saw of it said it was the worst superhero movie ever made, mm. which I think was um, maybe, maybe a bit over, over the top.
2: Yeah, it wasn't good. Let's yeah. let's get that out of the way. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So I, think I couldn't it's... tell where this film's come from. It, it, yeah. it, tonally and visually and everything, it felt like a kind of British film trying to be... It felt like watching Doctor Who. Well, that's it. It's, it's... not that bad, but that I mean, kind of... It, it's... Uh, trying to compete with CGI blockbusters, but mm. obviously not having the same resources.
2: The opening narration is Ian McShane, and for some weird reason, like it f- sounds like his teeth are falling out. Uh, the like opening, his, his the very
0: opening scene. I can't remember the last time I watched the film. Where so quickly have I thought, "Oh my god, this mm. is gonna be hard work." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that op- that opening line.
4: The year is five seventeen A. D., known as the Dark Ages, and for fucking good reason.
0: Yeah, that line, I, and I just thought, "Oh no." <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean that immediately surprised
0: me as well. If if the whole film had... T- Stuck with that tone from the opening scene because it was that straight into Milly Jovovich who <laughs> just reminds me of Resident Evil, frankly. I mean, so it, that opening scene, I thought, oh, this is bad. This this genuinely could be one of the worst films I've ever seen. It, it wasn't that bad after the first scene. It kind of found its place. Dare I say, I actually quite enjoyed moments in this film, little select mm-hmm. pieces and ideas. Okay,
2: Ian McShane, he's. Um... He's on autopilot here definitely he's it's pretty weak stuff i don't know i don't think neil marshall is an actor's director i guess it seems he lets him pretty loose well he cast
0: milo yovovich
2: yes so let uh, our lead our hellboy is david harbor yeah, who I don't really know, but I know he's he's been some TV success recently. I thought he
0: was I thought he was alright. I, I found him pretty indistinguishable from Ron Perlman under all really? makeup, frankly. Uh,
2: yeah, I I liked him. I thought it was yeah, I thought it was different from Ron Perlman, a slightly different attitude, but you know, it's
0: still within that same character. To be honest, I mean that that's this was so close to the vision we got from Guillermo del Toro that it almost felt like why why was this a reboot? Why didn't they just make a like this a third film? I don't know. It was so just tonally the same, except they could swear and have a bit of blood in it, and it wasn't yeah. as
2: good. It might have been when we were talking about Deadpool, or maybe even Logan. You were saying that you were yeah, saying, that, those, you were saying books, that this yeah. you were going they were going to start a rash of R rated yeah. superhero films, and it would sort of fall on its ass really quickly because <laughs> yeah, and this <laughs> yep. is a good example of that. Just I like, think so, yeah. Just, it, Oh, we can say it fuck, never added anything. Fuck.
0: Yeah. Actually, that's not quite... I was going to say it never added anything. That's not quite true. There's a few points where it did really add to it for me, but again, we'll get, we'll get there, I guess. Um, I mean, it was nice that when they stab someone, there's blood... Uh, I, I've been re-watching the X-Men films, Alan Because we're, yeah, we're yeah, doing yeah. an X-Men episode soon And uh, it is very jarring Every time Wolverine stabs someone Through the chest with Three knives in his <laughs> You know, hand And there's no blood at all It's kind of like, oh, it's taking me out of the film
2: <laughs> uh, Who else are our main players? He meets up with... Uh, Mila Well, oh, Mila Jovovich is the main villain The Blood Queen
0: um and she's Milie Jovovich in it. She's, she's awful. She's
2: absolutely she terrible even by her uh, standards.
0: Was, I don't know. She was she was fine. I didn't have
2: a problem with it. She's got a little sidekick
0: pig thing.
2: Nah, like this is my goo, this is my
0: highlight of the film. Who is like a, a big giant like warthog thing like seven foot tall. Now, frankly, this character Highlight of the entire Hellboy franchise <laughs> really? to date and film better than anything in Guillermo del Toro purely, and, purely because I'm so in love with Stephen Graham <laughs> who voices him.
2: Well, yeah, I, so t- t- explain to me why you like that character then because I found his voice performance again, I, I that's a perfect example of it just not quite fitting into the
0: world. Open. need the ways from a man of God to break the seal. <laughs> Fucking open it! It felt completely out of... Like, there were times... So he plays a, a weird pig monster thing. Goblin sort of thing, right? yeah, it's, it? Yeah. We're presented to it as a changeling initially. It's um, yeah. stolen someone's baby, but then that doesn't seem to go anywhere, and it doesn't seem to have any basis in the mythology surrounding changelings beyond that, so I assume that's just something they've yanked from the comics that doesn't quite gel with a yeah. load of other stuff from the comics, because it's run for so long and they've condensed it down Um, and initially, I, I loved it because he was just a straight up kind of silly, over the top, campy villain, but it was Stephen Graham doing this kind of like Fucking open that, you fucking cunt, guy, and this guy's like, "Oh no, I don't, I don't want to. I'm a religious man," and, oh, and he's like, "Fucking do it now, you fucking prick!" <laughs> and, and then he like steal and when and just seeing that played straight, it's like, oh, that you, you never really get a legit Scouse accent in a Hollywood <laughs> film, straight like number one. That's quite refreshing. He he, he makes her quite a menacing villain, but then later on when Hellboy. Picked him up as a baby, and I'd, I'd clocked at this point it was Stephen Graham, and he's just there going like, "Ah,
1: oh, fucking hell, you fucking bastard, get off me!" <laughs>
0: it was, I was cracking up. I loved it. Uh, Scouse accent is funny, so, right? It's I like mean, the New Zealand accent.
2: It just did not fit with the tone of the film, even though the film was quite. Well, what comedic, was the it was tone different... of the film? Well, no, but I would was...
0: say the tone of the film is it hasn't got one, and it doesn't <laughs> know what it's doing.
2: <laughs> That's, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> So, okay, so Hellboy teams up with this young
0: woman that is, he knows from when she was a baby. Oh, talk about bad acting.
2: Uh,
0: oh, she was awful. Oh, my God.
2: I uh, I would like to see her do something else before I judged her too harshly. The other guy the, who, who goes The guy who him, turns
0: into a big cat. Daniel Dae Kim.
2: Yeah, uh, who... We get introduced to him quite a long time before we find out he turns into a cat, but... It's in the trailer, so that was a bit, you
0: know. <laughs> he was uh, he was definitely one of the better players in this, I'd say. Yeah, not doing much, but at least he yeah. wasn't doing it badly. It, the one thing I'll say for Neil Marshall as a director, he has a very specific way of crafting an action sequence. Yeah. Gritty, I guess, Gonzo kind of feel to it. This kind of realism about it, and. I'd say more often than not, it didn't really work in this film. But there were a handful of moments where I thought it worked beautifully. I mean, the, the bits that sort of stand out to me was that he he fights some giants. That That is a perfect example of what I was just talking about. Yeah, that, that was, you know, it was all kind of done from Hellboy's perspective. Mm. It was all done from the kind of ground looking up, and it, it felt very nicely realised in a way, but then... They were so blatantly like CGI and not particularly good CGI, and mm-hmm. there's some bits where they kind of completely defy physics. Like when he, one of them falls on a tree that Hellboy holds up, and it just like stabs through him, and it's just like, <laughs> oh, are they that they're that weak that they just yeah. <laughs> impaled by a little bit of really like that? But that's that like was... if you fell on a stick <laughs> that someone was holding up underneath you. Now the odds that not a sharpened stick, <clears throat> it's just like a stick. It give you a nasty bruise. Oh yeah, you might get a nasty cut even. Yeah. But I don't buy it, it would just go straight through your skull.
2: <laughs> At one point, Hellboy gets transported into like another dimension or something, and he meets this creepy witch type character.
0: Ah uh, yes, I yeah that's. Uh, so throughout this film, there is some gorgeous uh, imagery, some amazing little visual moments, and like just visually, conceptually, like such cool little things that frankly felt like Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. I assume they are lifted straight from the comics. Mm-hmm. So a great example would be when he goes to this realm and it's, you know, shrouded in fog and then he's confronted with this house that's on big chicken feet, yeah, <laughs> stood yeah. up in the sky. It, it was this incredible visual. But the, the the character in there, the witch or
2: whatever it's supposed to be, Mm. I thought that was very nice it was a good performance like it was very creepy there was a great visual when when it was walking and stuff it was mm. it was creepy
0: it was nice it was good it, it wasn't good mm. it was all a bit tragic. it all kind of begged the question as to why so much of it most of it was just far too close to del Toro's vision for me but it did have some great visuals some really mm. cool ideas. Yeah. It, it was tonally all over the place, but that meant that I did enjoy bits of it. I, I gave it a 5 out of 10.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I'll go pretty much echo that. I gave it a 5 out of 10 as well. Sort of interesting moments that
0: didn't quite work.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is child abuse!
4: I'm a little baby, you
1: big
0: fuck! Calvin, you haven't seen Hellboy. Oh, no, gonna
1: no, 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 of course I haven't. How have you not seen this, Calvin, with Mia Yovich <laughs> in such a common <laughs> Mia Yovich.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, she, she's, she the, the, door, she's the main... She? She's the main villain.
1: Yeah. Oh, maybe I will have to check it out. I heard it wasn't very good though. Well yeah, but you also heard that about Resident Evil and you, you <laughs> love that. <laughs> you heard that about
2: every film which has ever been in, so yeah, that's it. true.
1: Well normally I'm there opening day, so I don't read the reviews before I
0: go in. <laughs> um, then it was it was the big the big film of the year. Ooh. Uh, the culmination of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Oh. Avengers Endgame. The kid on the TV just called me a dickhead again.
2: <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been to the cinema with someone and seen like them buy a ticket or whatever. Do you know how much it is to go to the fucking cinema on a Sunday oh, lunchtime?
0: Fuck me, it's expensive, innit? It's like this is in, in London Sen- This well. is in
2: London, it costs Fourteen pounds. Fucking
0: hell. Fourteen pounds and. Oh. Speaking of Thor, teen pounds. Thor has put on teen pounds in this film, as we <laughs> That was very good. Well done. <laughs> you,
2: you, we, 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 we all agreed that Avengers: Infinity War was a very good film, and considering oh, yeah. it was kind of part one of two, it had it, it done a very good job of containing itself. I, um, I feel,
0: I feel like watching this film is like, cemented my my resolve on that front. I, I well and truly think Infinity War was, you know, masterful. I'm yeah. standing by my 10 out of 10 rating for it. I think it was remarkable yeah. what they achieved. I even enjoyed it, to some extent. Yeah, it's quite, quite impressive.
2: <laughs> so, they had to follow it up. It's the same... Same team, same directorial team. It's it was the shot back-to-back back and everything. It was, was, it was it actually really... done like
0: that? Oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Which is surprising, because one of my first major observations with this film is it doesn't just feel like Infinity War Part Two at all. I, I think it's tonally quite different. It, mm-hmm. it, it It doesn't feel nearly as bleak. It doesn't feel nearly as pressing it kind of feels like it is just another avengers film which is good but you sound unconvinced that's my first mm. uh, my first reading there i've got to say robert downey jr what a phenomenal actor that man is there, there are some scenes in this film where he brings such a, a quality of acting that like frankly wasn't required of him. that one very early on that really struck me was um, when he, he he got very upset when he was saying he wanted to put a suit of armor around the world, and he was basically just laying into Captain America. It was Mm. bringing up some of the fallout from Civil War and what have you, but he was basically just saying, fuck you guys, I blame you. And it just, it was very, I thought it worked. It it hit the right emotional beats. Um, Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, these two are marooned in space. Looks like they're going to die. Captain Marvel turns up, saves them. That's
0: it. Yeah, so uh, up front, it was like, oh, Captain Marvel, cool. Thought she might be in the film a bit.
2: Mm, yeah, pretty much immediately left again, didn't she?
0: Yeah, it it, it felt largely pointless. That <laughs> she was in the film, full stop. That's one of my one of my big complaints of this film is that. I felt there were a lot of tangents this time. I, I loved Infinity War for being so streamlined, such a, a cleanly written screenplay. This mm-hmm. was not that. Uh, and-, and among other things, this film had a hell of a lot of just tangents that didn't really go anywhere. One of which I felt was Captain Marvel. She, she shows up for five minutes at the start, then she fucks off, and then she turns up again at the end. And it's largely... Yeah completely pointless that she's in the film full stop, which means it feels like it was pointless that they introduced her in between these films. Frankly it just felt like her character deserved better, or they could have just left her out of this one and, and let her kind of do something bigger in another film down the line but
4: mm-hmm.
0: basically but going into this film, I, I think I said I really didn't want Robert Downey Jr. to be killed off. I didn't want Tony Stark to die. I felt like it would be cheap. I felt like he was a paternal figure in this franchise and he and and the whole point of his character is he goes through personal growth and becomes a better person so within that kind of hollywood archetypical logic he deserves to then ride off into the sunset he he's mm-hmm. gone through that personal growth so jumping ahead ultimately he does die but um the reason why i felt that worked and i was okay with it is because up front they give him the happy ending, they give him that yeah. riding off into the sunset, and then it's his choice to turn that down and say, you know what, it's okay, I don't mind like making this self-sacrifice. And and I thought that was... That that in particular, I thought, was a sort of masterful filmmaking that Infinity War was absolutely full of. And I sadly don't think there was nearly as much of that on show in Endgame. But th- there for me, there was a real sense of Oh, we're only getting two deaths?
2: <laughs> yeah, I thought they were going to cut away a bit more Deadwood, yeah.
0: And they, yeah, they really didn't. And uh, yeah. that that was a bit disappointing, because it just seemed very, well, just kill someone, for fuck's sake. <laughs> like, I thought there was going to be more death than Infinity War, where we had four people die. Mm-hmm. And this film, as good as undoes one of those. And then, I don't know, it, it just felt a bit... Couldn't Black Widow and Hawkeye have like both fallen to their death at the same <laughs> time? <laughs> just get rid of Hawkeye. No one needs him. I mean, how did you feel about that? So there's the scene where they go back to the Soul Stone planet from Infinity War. You have to trade someone you love for um, mm-hmm. the Soulstone. Stone. Will you it's i don't know if it quite counts if they sacrifice themselves
2: well, yeah well yeah exactly first of all yeah if they're happy yeah. to do it is
0: it and i and i and so i was thinking before it was like oh they are just gonna like fight over who gets to kill themselves i was thinking like oh this could actually be really like interesting if if, if... If Black Widow has to kill him, or vice versa, that's actually gonna be fucking dark. I, I'm really yeah fine. brutal moment. Yeah, and then they don't do it that way, yeah. and 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 so then they start running, and it's like which one's it gonna be? And I was thinking, well, yeah, they've paired up the two shittiest Avengers. So who gives mm-hmm. a fuck? I mean, such cares. a cynical it's, thing. It's the quite
2: two- a it's quite a slapstick thing as well that they yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. And 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 the problem is, it like yeah, if it's suicide, I don't think that really counts.
0: What a masterstroke of a twist. They pair Black Black Widow up with Hawkeye, and you think, oh, I see the writing (laughs) on the wall here. (laughs) And then Hawkeye lives? Holy (laughs) shit, I was not expecting that. (laughs) Yeah. Tell you what, Hulk, did you like what they did with him in this? Because I loved it. (laughs) The most fucking weird...
2: Basically turn him into... Banner Hulk, like, yeah. you know,
0: half... I, I, if ever... Th- this film, I mean, I feel like that's the end of his character's arc as well, that they've just kind of done that. It, it, I feel like that was them saying, we've got nothing else left to do with this character. So, <laughs> <laughs> But I, I loved it, because it was so fucking weird. So much of this film is just willing to be fucking weird, and they're just like, <laughs> yeah, we know, we know people are going to turn up, who cares? And I loved them for that. And I do I think there is precedent for this in the comics I should add but uh, and I, I love Thor he's he's one of my absolute favorites now. Yeah, I mean bold move to make him a big fat guy in this film and just <laughs> when I when I first saw that I I thought okay funny but this is
2: a throwaway gag and then he's yeah, going to do, do, do a quick montage sequence and, and then he's going to Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and I was just thinking, like, oh, it's going to be so stupid. No, he stays fat for the whole film. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, Yeah, fair play. I can't think of many other franchises that would have the balls to do that. But, yeah, cool. Well,
2: they they seem to have... Their new Asgard
0: is a fishing
2: village. Yeah.
0: yeah I it's assume it's, it's meant to be out in, like, Norway or something, right?
2: Yes, but did you notice when they're in his little house and they're talking to him, he sat down. There was a bottle of iron brew in the background. <laughs> Very distinctive Iron Brew label. I was like, <laughs> no. "That's weirdly specific." What's that about? <laughs> like, it was out of focus, but could...
0: maybe it was meant to be Scotland. Or do they? No, say... it was.
2: I think it was supposed to be Norway, but I think it was maybe filmed in Scotland. Yeah, and they just left, them, <laughs> <laughs> accidentally left a bottle of Iron Brew in the background. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah, Captain America. Oh, and you know what? The problem is that he then decides to stay in the past and turns up as an old man which completely mm-hmm. that's completely different time travel rules to the rules that meant that he had to go back and put the stones there in the first place and Yeah, so
2: he's affecting things. Yeah. And what he should be in a different timeline? Yeah, that's it. He should less, he should something? now exist
0: in a different timeline or mm. either that or this was always the way this was supposed to happen, and there's always been an old Captain America knocking around in the background. In which case, he just let Hydra take over Shield. He just sat back and let all this shit. Well, he happen. knows
2: you can't mess. You can't mess with time.
0: But that means Peggy Carter. It also means he got off with his his wife's niece. Does he? Yeah, the, when was that? The most... I hate it. I hate this moment, and I always hated it. In Captain America Civil War, they they set up a bit of a romance between... I think she's called Sharon Carter, or someone yeah, Carter. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah. Peggy Carter's niece in The Winter Soldier, and then Civil War. And there's a bit in The Civil War where he just basically pulls up the car, runs over, kisses her, and then runs off. And it was the most like gratuitous... God forbid we have a superhero film without a romance in it. Mm. It was just crowbarred in and it was bullshit.
2: I mean, essentially what happens is he decides to stay in the past and just live his live a life.
0: Yeah, and I, I love the idea of that. And and it gives it, basically, the final moment of the film is him dancing with Peggy Carter, which is a reference, I don't know if you remember, Alan, but at the end of Captain America, the first Avenger, when he's, he's putting that flying spaceship thing into the ice, Right. He, he says something to the effect of like you know'm I'm, I'm going down and she's like no you're not we're going we're gonna go for that dance uh ha- House Friday House Friday we'll go dancing on Friday and they have this little mm. emotional moment where she you know she does the um the matter of luck yeah they, they do that with with her being like, you know yeah. we're gonna go dancing and I can't dance well I'll teach you and it's 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 a nice little moment and just to have that payoff as the ending of this film, when that is chronologically speaking the beginning of the franchise, I thought was such a lovely bookend to it all.
2: The but the flip side of that is that he's now an old man. He's yeah. it's supposed to be like seventy five years later, right? To be yeah. I think so. I don't know. He must be pretty old. Yeah. So I mean, whatever. they've retired
0: that character. I think he's
2: yeah. So ultimately, this is the the end of Captain America. Yeah. yeah. Which is again, it wasn't a death, but it was. A it was retirement. a lovely way, I
0: think of. Writing him off into the, yeah, letting him mm-hmm. ride off and have a happy ending. Tell you what, I didn't like was uh, um,
2: him tr- handing over the the shield. Yeah, he yeah. hands a shield over didn't to make Falcon. Any sense.
0: Everyone in the cinema was going oh, as if, oh my god, now he's Captain America. <laughs> yeah, except Captain America's got like super soldier super serum, serum. In it, whereas Falcon's <laughs> yeah, yeah. just a fucking bloke. A bloke. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not quite the same, is yeah, it? Doesn't is make it? any sense at
2: all. Does it? No, it doesn't make any sense. That,
0: like, let's say, like, if I pick up a fucking vibranium shield, does that mean I'm now Captain America? <laughs> Apparently, it does. But <laughs> so that annoyed me. Um, and if you're gonna do that, give it to Bucky because he's at least got fucking experimental shit going on with his body. I
2: was, I was wondering that. Not only that he doesn't give it to Bucky, he picks Falcon, whoever that is. But that. Bucky's just there watching. It's like, oh, yeah, that's my best mate there. Not saying goodbye to me. Yeah.
0: More like cocky. That's what I call him. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed
2: two community fans. Hey, hey, hey. more that I missed. Oh, man, like, I think
0: I was the only person, like... No, actually, that's not true. I, Chang shows up. And again, it's it's not Ken Yong, it's Chang, because Chang became a security guard <laughs> in Community. Oh, is that right? Yeah.
2: I was so hoping that he was going to speak, he was going to say something, and like, right. Chang. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, just a classic, like, because he has a very distinct character. But I'll tell you <laughs> what I loved
0: with that was, there were some people in the cinema who obviously recognised it was Ken Yong, but didn't know Community or what was going on, because <laughs> they were just like, they, <laughs> one of them basically said, like, that guy's famous.
2: <laughs> yeah, he must be doing something more than that.
0: Sure. Yeah, it was. It seems to really confuse someone, so I like that. And uh, and of course, then Yvette Nicole Brown Shirley turns up in yeah. the lift, which I was less a fan of because she couldn't be her character Shirley.
4: <laughs> I can
0: kind of believe that all the other community cameos are the characters from the show, whereas that one was like, yeah. oh, it's just the actor in in a role. But it's her mother. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, One of the most important characters in the film, I think. One of the most valuable players. Paul Rudd, giving a great performance, I think. Really selling the little emotional beats he has, but then the comedy. Just a very likable presence. Brings a lot to this film. And then obviously Mm. Ant-Man, the character, I think is just such an injection of uh, stuff I I loved the five years later stuff with Paul Rudd where he where he's running he finds that war memorial type setup of all the, yeah, the yeah. dead people and he's looking and you know he's looking for his family and then he sees his own name and that that had a nice bit of weight to it and the Thanos robot. um pretty much the protagonist of Infinity War given a great deal of emotional depth and yeah. nuance and you're you're yeah. led to. Appreciate where he's coming from and Be on his side So real shame that in this film He's just a one dimensional cackling villain Who's evil And yeah. hasn't really got any justifiable uh, Motivation behind anything
2: Yeah very disappointing
0: Very very disappointing Yeah, I-, I-, I loved him in the opening scene When he was just like yeah. I've done my work I don't really give a shit if you kill me or not but yeah, then yeah, when right. we get the alternate Thanos and from a, another timeline, who just a maniacal villain, mm. and that they, you know they, there's bits where he's just like you know I'm gonna kill you guys because I'm pissed off with you, and it's like well that's not even he was actually set up as quite a fair, not benevolent, but you know he he was set up as someone who didn't kill needlessly. That was a shame. Uh, Wong turns up at the end. They like that good old Wong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Happy Hogan. Oh good God. I mean. I know he was going on about cheeseburgers, John Favreau, in that scene, but he, I mean, he's bigger every time, every time I make (laughs) one of these films. I don't
2: know, I think he's just leveled out, he's the same as always.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he lost a lot of weight specifically to be in Iron Man, hadn't he? And he just piled it back (laughs) on when he was like, um... I'm not gonna be that big a part of these films, actually, I can't be asked. Did you like did you like <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer turning up to stand in the background of one shot and say no lines of dialogue whatsoever? <laughs> you know, William Hurt. I mean, what's he up to? Was
2: that was yeah, was that him? I that was mean, William Hurt,
0: that... yeah. General Thaddeus Ross. Um, you know who I really liked was in there? Go on. And I'll admit, when I watched the film, I was like, who the fuck's that? Was it a
2: young, like, teenage lad or a young, young yeah. man? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I didn't know who that was, but I was like, that's a very specific person they're looking at. That must be someone. Who was it? Do
0: you remember Iron Man 3? Nope.
2: Oh, is it the kid he buddies up with?
0: Yeah, 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 the little kid. Ah, That's fair enough, yeah. That's nice, nice little callback, isn't it? Yeah, I'm happy with that, yeah. They did the elevator, the lift scene from The Winter Soldier, even though oh, yeah, it wasn't yeah. that film they were going back to. Just a nice callback there. I loved the moment when Captain America was like, it's okay, and leans over and goes, Hail Hydra, in his ear. Mm-hmm. That was great. I mean, that I think that was a specific reference to the comic books, which a couple of years ago did a, a whole thing. Th- this scene went, I think a panel got leaked ahead of time, and people were furious because Captain America said Hail Hydra in it, and they were going, oh my god, the the big twist is Captain America's a fucking Nazi. This is outrageous! <laughs> How dare they? And then I think it turned out it was like Thanos had fucked around with reality or something, and that's why. But but people lost their mind. I think ultimately <laughs> it's just a. It just felt very messy, and it felt very. It just felt a bit like I was disengaged from it. It felt kind of like an epilogue to infinity war rather than a solid part two i think that's kind of my problem yeah so yeah, I, know what you mean. I mean ultimately my i i love this film i had a great time watching it but i i ultimately felt very disappointed coming out of the cinema and
2: well, you set your heart high- you set your standards very high yeah well i had
0: but i'd only set them as high as infinity war I was only expecting it to match that but same... That was
2: like a 10 out of 10, one of the best films you've ever seen. Yeah. So that's pretty yeah. high standard.
0: <laughs> I know, I know. But this, this, you know, it was the same exact creative team, conceived of as the same story, shot back to back. I don't think it was that crazy to think that this was going to deliver on the promise of that film. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it... Personally, I feel like it didn't, exactly.
2: Let's, let's put it in a number. on right?
0: um, I give it a solid 8 out of 10.
2: I gave... Infinity War, a 7.
0: Yeah. I
2: gave this a 7 as well. I uh, will say that that other film was better. I, I enjoyed this, and I think because we've watched all the films, and I'm sort of, I am, you know, despite everything, I am involved in these characters. I'm, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm connected to it. So I was I was sort of happy to see it all kind that's, of going together yeah,
0: and all that. It's fair. As far as I'm concerned,
3: that's America's ass.
0: Oh, that was what we thought of that. What clip have you used there, Sol? Because we did a full-length
2: episode
3: about it.
0: Yeah, you might have noticed that clip was longer than all the other clips. This was a full-length bonus episode of the show. uh, Available on Patreon. Over an hour long. I couldn't edit it down to to under 10 minutes. I'm sure that sounded incredibly choppy and like we were talking really, 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 really really quickly. Um, You just sped it up. <laughs> it was still about 20
2: minutes long That I think we should do so. that. We
0: should start doing that with all our episodes. We'll get through. No, don't don't, give, don't give my ideas. Don't. Um, <laughs> although we could we could do that in reverse. We could record for half the time and then just slow it down <laughs> slightly. <laughs> um hmm. have you seen Avengers Endgame, Calvin? I I assume you haven't seen it.
1: Nope. No,
0: no. no, I I mean, biggest film of all time. Well, uh, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) it was. I I wasn't blown away by it, and then if anyone was gonna be, you know, it was it was good. It was fine, but after that, Mm. from one cinematic event to another, uh, the Pokemon movie. I'm sure you saw this, Calvin. Oh yeah, (laughs) Detective Pikachu. Well, what did we think, Alan? Let's let's refresh ourselves. Pokemon was the
3: Pokey and the Man in the thing with
0: Gotta catch them all. Pokemon. And that, that intro to this Diminisode was improvised <laughs> with all the care and talent of Ryan Reynolds as, <laughs> uh, as he portrays Detective Pikachu in Pokemon yeah. Detective Pikachu, a film that seems to be polarizing audiences, actually.
2: Yeah, some people hate it. Critics alike. Some people uh, want it to be destroyed.
0: <laughs> no, I. I, I some people, people actually I sp- like it. Yeah.
2: Mm, interesting. Why? I... Are we are we giving away our feelings? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I mean, look, it's got sixty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. The the few people I know have seen it actually said they really liked it, but. I should add, they're not Pokemon fans in any capacity. So it was. I think they were getting the the well, world for the first time out of it, whatever well, that uh, brought to the proceedings. I don't think that's enough, really. But I didn't know
2: anything about Pokemon, obviously, either. And like, I must say, movie, I. Though. I mean, I, I didn't hate it. That's, hate would probably be a strong word, but it certainly wasn't good. Um, I didn't hate Ryan Reynolds particularly. He seemed, it seems like you did. Do you want to spew some hatred? Well,
0: yeah. I mean, I. I just don't really get the appeal of Ryan Reynolds. Ever. <laughs> if I was looking to cast the blandest white guy who could just kind of blur into the background of a scene, Ryan Reynolds, but he's got he's got a, he's got a ready wit. Well, has he? Well, fair play to him I mean, Deadpool, he brings yeah. that mouthy charm to Deadpool. He he gets that character, I think, more than his performance is particularly great. He just understands what he's what makes that character work. So fair play with him and Deadpool and like, you know, he produced that, he had a lot of creative involvement there. I don't I don't dislike him as an actor even. You know, I was happy to watch Buried, which is just him in a box for ninety minutes. Hmm. Um but I don't think anything about what he does in Deadpool is organic from him. I think that's writers putting words in his mouth. Mm. And I don't think any of that translates over to Detective Pikachu. And I also don't think anything about Pokemon or Pikachu is a fit for what that was to begin with. Yes, which Deadpool is, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, I think Pikachu is one of the cutest designed things in the world of all time, and such an iconic character. And Ryan Reynolds is, like, the one thing that can negate something being cute, his voice. You put that voice in Pikachu, and it becomes a completely different thing. And I just don't really mm. know what that is, because it's suddenly, it's not cute, it's not funny, and that wasn't enough to stop the film working for me, but I mean, it's not like it's a good film, so it's, uh, yeah, And, and... I would say the acting across the board in this film is appalling. Well, the the main guy in it, the young man, best performance in it, I would say. I thought, yeah,
2: I thought he was, he's that. Definitely, I came away from that thinking, okay, put him in a better film, it'd be. Yeah, fine. Justice
0: Smith, I can totally buy as a decent actor. He he comes out of this relatively well. Ryan Reynolds is, you know, He's Ryan Reynolds. He's doing his thing, and he it's just it's like, yeah.
2: The main girl in it, Catherine Newton,
0: pretty bad probably
2: i just i was just watching that thinking i'm never gonna see her in anything else ever again <laughs> she was pretty shit wasn't she yeah, yeah. i don't know I don't should you judge too harshly in a film like this but yeah
0: and look i i love bill Nye. Yeah. i think we've mentioned this on certainly in our pirates of the caribbean episodes i think maybe our love actually episode i love bill Nai. i think he's brilliant. And we've seen from the likes of Pirates of the Caribbean that he's perfectly willing to chew the scenery and have a bit of fun and do something a bit lowbrow and stupid. He's embarrassing in this film. Yeah. It's awful. Does it look do like you know he what... just didn't turn yeah. up didn't it? But yeah, uh, the plot. Can Can I ask you some questions about this? Go on. So, basically, the, the, the plot is, or the villain's plot, is to put the mind of every human being yeah. into the body of a Pokemon. Yeah. Is that it? Yep. So so, that, so, it wasn't just me? There wasn't a motive I missed? Well, he seems to think that, that is
2: going to bring the best out of everyone.
0: He didn't really pay that any lip service, did he?
2: Well, it was kind of half explained because... Because he was, you know, had some sort of degenerative illness, so he needed a new body, so that's why he'd done it to himself. But do,
0: but then but then specifically, at one point, doesn't he say that that isn't why he's done it?
2: I don't know. I I'm sure really there was a point attention.
0: where someone suggested that to him, and he was like, no, that's not. It's not even it. I just wanted to do it. So, um, yeah, what is it? The, the plot is, there's this kid who lives in Pokemon World, Rhyme City, is it called? Um, yeah. And there's Pokemon there. And to give him credit, this this city's realised really nicely the one thing that does work is you'll just have Pokemon dotted around in the background in little sight gags, basically. So you'll be walking through a street, and there'll be a street food vendor, and it'll be a Char Charmander cooking something with its tail like a chef. That's the, the extent of what works in this film. Mm-hmm.
2: Nothing and that, else. to be honest, didn't play that much for me as someone who doesn't know Pokemon.
0: Well, even that didn't play amazingly well. It was just kind of like, well, they've built a nice little world here with these little monsters. It feels kind of lived in.
2: Yeah. So the kid, like his dad, the detective he di- the, who dies in an accident, he goes mm. to sort out his affairs. Spoiler uh, alert. And
0: then... Pikachu's his daddy?
2: <laughs> well, it makes sense in the context of the thing.
0: Well, does it? Because my understanding... Again, did I miss something here? My understanding is his dad died in that car crash, and they put his body into Pikachu's body... Sorry, his mind into Pikachu's body to save him.
2: Yeah, basically something like that, yeah.
0: And then after we learn that, we cut to Ryan Reynolds, as Ryan Reynolds, (laughs) presumably playing his dad, walking out, there might be like a plaster on his face or something, but he's like, hey son, good to be back. It's like no, yes. you died. You died. We just we just watched you die in a flashback. Where's that body come from? <laughs> was that his twin who was in a coma? <laughs> his Identical twin in a coma that they it's put Patrick, the Patrick in. Stewart. In yeah, yeah uh, makes sense. <laughs> I just, I just, it boggles the mind.
2: I was thinking, right, this is a general thing, and you would have to change a few of the details, but it, you'd basically work. But I think it would work a lot better if that main character who is Supposed to be twenty or twenty-one, was like fourteen. I just think the emotional storyline would work a lot better. Yeah, uh, I agree. Would, it, and and the the whole thing between him and the dad and that whole backstory never quite worked. And then it didn't really come together at the end either when it, we, we yep. find the dad and all that. But I think if he was younger and and this kind of separation had just happened, like maybe a year before or something, that would that would whole thing would have played better. I hated it, three out of ten. <laughs> well, I gave it a five. I don't particularly hate it. It would be a bit strong, but yeah. It wasn't very good, was it? No. I th-
0: I, I think it was worse than the animated Pokemon movie that we covered. Oof. Pokemon gotta catch you all Really? That's what you
1: guys thought? Yeah. What about you? Wow. I loved it. <laughs> It was really good. It oh uh, Yeah. Went Why? beyond my expectations. I had that fun. That Ryan Reynolds is funny, isn't he? He <laughs> yes, wasn't, actually. I thought he was very good. Uh, really? And I liked Bill Nye as the villain, Mewtwo, like, his whole weird plan to turn, like, merge people and Pokemon. I thought that was cool. Did um, you like
0: the way his plan made no sense whatsoever and... <laughs> Yeah, was, was utterly <laughs> yeah. baffling and had no motivation I, I, behind it. I, I, I did like that actually. Yeah, okay, <laughs>
1: good,
0: uh, that is very video game. Billy.
1: Yeah, there was Billy. there was a lot of stuff in it that didn't really make sense. Like that bit where it's like, oh fuck, the the land mass that we're existing <laughs> on is a bunch of these big Pokemon that are just getting up now. Oh, well, that's yeah. weird, isn't it? And um, then Ryan
0: Reynolds made a joke where he looked to camera and said, "And people say global warming isn't real." Which was like I don't even I don't even get it. Well, I mean, I've I'm trying to watch a hundred films this year before the end of the year from 2019, not 100 you films mean you, Yeah,
2: hundred new releases. Hundred yeah. films isn't
0: that impressive. I'm I'm currently on ninety five. I'm keeping a list, and Detective Pikachu is number ninety three. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah. So I I I did not care for Detective Pikachu. Well, come on, you're going to have to tell us what uh, the two below it are. Uh, below it is a Latvian film called Away. <laughs> <laughs> it's an animated film made by pretty much one person, so I feel bad putting it there. Like, this guy just made a, an animated film on his own in his bedroom. Yeah, okay. You he, he, he can't have too
2: much expectation.
0: Fair play Ooh. to him. It's a pretty good job of, of doing that. But it begs the question, if you were going to put so much time and effort into something... Why would you just make a film about someone walking from one place to another with no story? Probably because they like Lord of the Rings. Lord right? of the Rings? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's just, there's just no plot. It, it's, ugh. Anyway, and then uh, 95, Secret Obsession, the Netflix original, I don't know, like TV movie-esque piece of shit about a woman who wakes up from uh, a hit on the head, she's got amnesia, and a guy's like, well, of course I'm your loving husband, come back to our big house with me. But then she begins to question, wait a minute, are you even my husband? <laughs> it's uh, it's really bad.
1: <laughs>
0: um, Calvin, what would you give Detective Pikachu out of 10? I would give an 8 out of 10. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I hated it. I hated it. Oh. Um... Well, after Detective Pikachu, uh, we went from one horrific, uncanny CGI cavalcade <laughs> of monsters to another. I'm using this formula of segue for a lot <laughs> of things today. Uh, Disney's Aladdin. I'll
2: so, yeah, just take this, uh, just this opportunity to remind people that if you want to listen to these episodes where we talk about the, the build-up to these films, for example, we looked at the original Aladdin and all its silly sequels. Uh, go back to well. You can go through your old podcast catcher, or go to dimreturns.com We we are now on our Spotify. Blog of websites are there? Oh shit! We're on Spotify. We're yeah. on YouTube. Rain, rain in the
0: new year. We're on Spotify. That's the thing people have started using for podcasts. So yeah. I mean, if that's what you do, you probably but already yeah, you know get, about it because you're already listening it, on there. I guess, but uh, yeah, if obviously. not, but if you're
2: new, to, if you're relatively new to the uh,
0: show, go back and listen to our older episodes. They're all great. ninety yeah, like yeah. percent of them. And if you're not new. Just go around, like loop round again. Start fresh from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. What? Listen to them all again. It's it's fun to hear how naive we were <laughs> thinking. Thinking the Aladdin remake might be a good film. Roll the I clip. We did, did we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we didn't. No, we definitely did not. For me, when I'm looking at a role, I'm asking myself, what is it that I would add to the role? terrifying when we did our aladdin episode the takeaway was that the reason that film was so good number one beautiful animation number two great songs number three robin williams yes and so this new film they've done you can just picture that that meeting where they sat around in hollywood and the execs were like well look This is what makes Aladdin work. So, how about we just go completely out of left field and surprise everyone? We do that, but without any animation, without Robin Williams, and with people who across the board can't sing. (laughs) That's a great idea, wouldn't it?
2: Okay, so I'm getting the gist that you weren't a big fan of
0: the new Aladdin. Yeah, and and I mean, bear in mind that (laughs) I I thought the live action Beauty and the Beast was all right. What were they doing? Whose yeah. idea was this? Why, <laughs> why, Guy Ritchie? Mina Masood as Aladdin. Uh, I could totally believe he is a capable actor, but nothing about him really. Well, I,
2: I,
3: there was real um, blandness
2: to yeah. them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's and, kind of what it is, I think. Yeah.
0: To give her credit, I thought Naomi Scott as Jasmine was arguably the best performance in the film.
2: I mean, yeah, nothing special though.
0: <laughs> Again yeah, felt by like bland. Uh, but she was she was solid, she was doing the part well she was consistent in a way that I don't think mm-hmm. anyone else in the film was uh they beefed Jasmine up a little bit they um well they they gave her a ripoff of let it go to sing yeah
4: here comes a wave meant to wash me away a tide that is taking me under
1: swallowing sand. Nothing to say, my voice drowned out in the thunder.
4: But I won't cry, and I won't start to crumble whenever they try.
2: Well, yes, they did drop a new song in there, which didn't sound uh, so
0: yeah. out of place within the world of yeah, yeah, that yeah. musically. So out of place with those other songs. Not, mm. not a bad song, but very modern sounding, generic sounding song in amongst these, you know, Alan Mencken classics. It just, it... Then, okay, Jafar, this
2: guy, Marwan Kaza-
0: Kenzari, probably
2: the worst one in the thing.
0: Probably the worst <laughs> performance I've seen in a mainstream Hollywood film. Yeah. Maybe forever. Maybe I mean, the, ever. <laughs> it
2: wasn't the worst thing you've ever seen. Come on. I mean it, it can't have been. But it was bad.
0: <laughs> it was shockingly bland. Shockingly the problem was, dull. yeah, every, every single
2: moment was all at the same level. Every single every, thing yeah, he did was From to start to
0: finish. It. I'm so evil. But then he's not evil's easy to make interesting. And he can't mm-hmm. he doesn't do it. He's he's more bland than Aladdin. It was oh he was <laughs> shit. Again, going back to Guy Ritchie and why I think he's shit, and I think this really sums up everything about why this film is bullshit. And I'm just picking out a specific idea at a specific moment here because I think it really is emblematic of the whole thing. You know in the original Aladdin at the end when Jafar's an all-powerful sorcerer and he's kind of immobilizing the people as they try to stop him? From memory, he, he sort of immobilizes Jasmine by putting her inside a giant sand timer.
2: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that's he, right. He turns Raja, the tiger, into like a little a little kitten. Mm-hmm. He turns the sultan into like a stuffed animal or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, but yeah. It's inventive fun stuff. In this film, the exact same stuff happens, but he just suspends them in a kind of generic red floaty energy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that sums up the whole film.
2: Obviously, the genie we have here is a computer-generated character, so you you could still do a lot of animated stuff with it, but yeah. they they don't particularly. Do everything
0: they? about everything about this genie felt half-assed. Apart from tragically Will Smith, who it really seemed was trying his hardest to pull it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the saddest thing is that it could have worked. There were you know there were flashes of what Will Smith was doing.
2: Yeah, I definitely liked
0: his take on it. Uh, element of it t- the problem was whenever they they were too tied to the original yeah, exactly, robin exactly, williams yes, role exactly so what i was going to say yeah. instead of letting will smith do his thing and improv they'd let him do improv one line here and then they'd make him do a bit of robin williams's off the cuff stuff and fail to deliver it and ultimately, the whole thing just felt really cringy. The pacing of everything that character did just felt slightly out of whack. Mm, None yeah. of it worked. The songs, even. Now, Will Smith has done a, a classic, one, like, hilarious Will Smith rap song over the end credits for this film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Jasmine like the flower is it don't even Tell me where you want to go
0: which I don't think any of us actually thought was gonna happen even though I was certainly joking about it I'm, I'm glad it's happened it's I mean it's not good but it's you know it, it is what it is um, But I tell you what if that had been the friend like me, in the film, instead of Will Smith trying to sing and failing. Will Smith's not a singer. <laughs>
3: Mr. Alarm Yes, one wish or two or three. Well I'm on the job, you big nabob. You ain't never had a friend, never had a friend You ain't never had a friend, never had a friend. You ain't never, never had a
2: Like me. He's just, well, he's a very different style. I mean, he's a rapper, isn't he? But I was...
0: if Prince Sally and Friend Like Me had both been reimagined as Will Smith-style rap songs, I think this film would have come alive in those sequences. I think yeah. people like me who love those original songs would have been like, okay, this isn't sacrilegious, it's something new. Because mm. the one moment in Friend Like Me that really worked and really came alive is when he did... Bow! Oh my God. you know His little <laughs> Will Smith Men in Black 2 alien noises.
3: Can your friends do this?
1: Can your friends do that? Can your friends pull this? Can your friends go? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's like that is pure Will Smith. That is perfect. And, and I was listening, out of morbid curiosity I was listening to a load of foreign language um, Versions of the Aladdin soundtrack The other day, to hear what like the German Genie and the Mandarin Genie Were like <laughs> Every last one of them had That bit of Will Smith Like, beatboxy noise Left intact Wer kann sonst noch dies <laughs> sonst noch das dir
1: Und und krass
0: no one even tried to top that. <laughs> they just let, stuck with the Will Smith bit and then went back to, it call my house friendish, or whatever. <laughs> I was very disappointed when, um, when Will Smith turns a boo into an elephant, that it wasn't the CGI monstrosity that is Dumbo. <laughs> I thought that would have been a nice little reference if it turned into Dumbo and then he was kind of like, oh, hang on. Not quite right. Not that listening. looks shit. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've made you look like a wet dishcloth there. Uh, just hang on a sec. Oh, no, that's better.
2: I was disappointed, though. You know when he... They're talking about make me a prince. And he, and he, cre- and he makes a prince. Yeah. Um, I was really disappointed that that wasn't the Fresh Prince. <laughs> like, I just put, like, a youth Will Smith, and he's just, that's like, ahead. parents just don't understand.
0: And then he goes, no, no, get him away. It was just so badly conceived of and directed and put together. Just every every other decision that was made on the part of the filmmakers was firmly the wrong decision. <sighs>
2: Anyway, what Five did you rate it? Five. Five. Well I gave it a seven, which um i grant you a pretty flat seven, but That's because you awesome. love Will Smith so much though, isn't it? I do you like Will Smith? I thought he was very good actually. I thought yeah, I just wish I could have done it properly. I'm not as bad as I thought I was. So Calvin, you haven't seen Aladdin, have you? No, I have not. They're not giving you free DVDs anymore.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just haven't. <laughs> I
0: just can't be bothered. (laughs) It's not worth your time, Calvin. Uh, Especially uh. as someone like yourself who doesn't particularly care for Will Smith. The one saving grace of the the film. Um, Mm -hmm. Next up was Godzilla, uh, King of the Monsters, Mm. uh, where I I believe I kind of had a very controversial opinion. Should Should we listen to that? That was my take on the film's soundtrack. Throughout the film, the score was just how people being like sorry sorry Godzilla!" in the background. And you know what? I fucking loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought it was crap. I fucking loved it, Alan. (laughs) (laughs) Why? This is a perfect Americanized interpretation. This is a perfect interpretation of what those Japanese Godzilla sequels are, Mm -hmm. but the Hollywood Uh, big-budget version. And yes, they are crap films, but this is a very conscious attempt at making that on purpose. And so meeting it at its own level, I think it did an outstanding job of kind of turning that into something palatable and just doing it as it is. So I think completely divorced from the context of what those Godzilla films are, bearing in mind I've seen like 30-something Godzilla movies, this would be a bad film, but I think watching it within that very specific context and meeting it at its own level, I thought it was great. I cannot fathom why anyone else is getting anything out of this, because I can't imagine many people have seen the Japanese Godzilla films, certainly more than one or two of them. I can't imagine many people have got as, you know, broader knowledge of kaiju movies as I Mm. have in this country, and certainly the people I've spoken to who enjoyed it, I don't think they've ever seen a single Japanese Godzilla movie in their life, so... That's what baffles me. I I was quite disappointed with Avengers Endgame, ultimately. We spoke about that recently. Pound for pound, I got way more out of this film. I was sat with that kind of fan service grin, that that kind of just base-level happiness you're meant to get when Captain America picks up the uh, Mm -hmm. Marnier or what have you. I was sat with that kind of grin across my face for so much of this film. When they mention the Oxygen Destroyer, when they refer to King Ghidorah as Monster Zero when the little Mm -hmm. fairy women from Mothra worked into the plot in a way that kind of makes sense, when Mothra's theme was in the score, Alan... Oh, Oh, man, there were so many little nuggets and Easter eggs. It was pure fan service. And I'm amazed a Hollywood studio figured that there are enough fans of those films out there for them to sink however many millions of dollars into making this big-budget extravaganza, because I don't think that many Godzilla fans exist, frankly. So this felt like I'd gone to see a film made just for me.
2: (laughs) And I loved it. But and the fact that I'm the, baffled, anyone the else enjoys it. Plot and characterisation are all crap. That doesn't affect
0: that. Well, no, because like I say, it's it's the it's I it's like when I went to see Noah, the Darren Aronofsky film, which was like a weird experiment in adapting the Bible to cinema. If you treat it as a normal book, I really loved that. It was a really interesting way to approach a film. This felt like the same thing to me. Adapt those Japanese Godzilla sequels. For what they are, don't Americanize them. Don't you know? Just do that, but run it through that lens of America. And I've heard a lot of criticism of the characters. I enjoyed watching almost everyone in this film. Uh, I thought they assembled a great cast and largely let them run on autopilot. And yeah, there was no particularly I
2: mean, I've seen compelling
0: storyline. Do there, good but stuff. I can, yeah, I can just watch Bradley Whitford and Thomas Middleditch. Stand around on screen, and I'm happy. It was I don't really so.
2: Care. It was so autopilot stuff, though. I mean, that is Bradley Whitford. Like, if you if you created an AI Bradley Whitford and just put it on random, that's what you'd get.
0: But Vera Farmiga, love her. She's she's on autopilot here, but that's fine. I can enjoy that. But Ken the... Watanabe, bring what you know far more than the role probably deserved to the role. Mm-hmm. Uh, love him. Love Sally Hawkins. She she vanished halfway through. Did, she gets cut off somewhere? very early. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I don't know if she was busy being a fish fucker or what, but she, yeah <laughs> Yeah. That was a shame. The oh, the, the, writing none of the acting. Bad. The writing was uh, awful.
0: I like the writing. Oh, the... What didn't you like about it? Everything. The story was awful. The dialogue was all crap. But the, the story the... really was how can we facilitate a load of monsters having a fight?
2: Yeah, I'm not interested in that.
0: Yeah, but do you not think meeting the film at that level, it did that? fine.
2: yeah I mean obviously that just doesn't appeal to me so if yeah okay so let me try and think about it in terms of if, if that's what you're trying to create here I mean there's I don't know was it good I, I thought't it I don't know I don't know what the a good or a bad fight is I've got no oh the action gauge. was
0: great I I thought it picked up the the baton of that one moment of fun at the end of the previous film where Godzilla laser blasts the bad guy in the mouth mm-hmm And it was like, right, that's our starting point here. Here's a whole film of that. It was gloriously campy, silly fun. It was so much fun. I mean, the one thing... This really, again, really reminded me of Avengers Endgame. Because when I was watching it, it was like, there's nowhere for them to go from here, as far as I'm concerned. I don't want to see this again. This is a one-off, like, fun experiment in making a huge budget one of these shit Japanese films. How can you escalate the stakes now? You you've had him fight every like every worthwhile Godzilla monster. Mm-hmm. I don't think any other Godzilla monster's different enough, or is going to provide something different enough for me. To, like Mecha Godzilla. it's basically the same thing. King Kong, which is what they're making next, Godzilla mm-hmm. versus King Kong, has the crossover novelty to it. Except, surely that's a step down from this. Surely that's a de-escalation of stakes. The clue's in the name. You it's it's a god versus a king. It's <laughs> yeah. it's like a it's a big monkey versus a fucking literal god. Godzilla was <laughs> worshipped in ancient Lovecraftian times. I love that whole element as well, by the way. Lovecraft, brilliant. Um He's a fucking god. He's a fucking immortal. So you're telling me a, a, a n- considerably smaller fucking gorilla's gonna <laughs> What's that about? What I would like at this point is uh, Godzilla versus Pacific Rim, with John Boyega. I'd watch <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, and then, that's and what then we can call needed. it. Yeah, and then Personally. we can call it quits. I loved it. I I will make the case that I think it is a legitimately good film because it's doing something very specific, and I think it does a nearly perfect job of that. Are you gonna have the balls to give this an eight, or are yeah. you gonna go high seven? No, no, I I have the balls to give it an eight. That's exactly what I'm giving it. Blimey. Well, I
2: gave it a four.
0: Oh, very harsh. No, not harsh at all, actually. No, very harsh. Very, very harsh. Very, very deserved. Mean. Mm -hmm. A snide rating
2: from (laughs) Terry. (laughs) That's Godzilla, King of the
0: Monsters. (laughs) I don't suppose you've seen this one, Calvin? No. If anyone was going to join me in liking this film it's you but uh, Oh really? Well, you know, you just like big explosiony blockbusters sometimes if they if they touch you the right way. Hmm. Didn't mean that sound weird, that sounded weird.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I didn't I didn't like um Pacific Rim.
0: Oh yeah, true,
1: true. Yeah, maybe not for you. But I liked the first Godzilla.
4: <laughs>
0: and I saw Kong Skull Island this year, actually. And I Did you like... like that? Oh well, if you like Kong Skull Island, you might like this because it's that tone of just absolute fun. Who cares? Oh, just good. monsters beating up monsters, and it's fun, and we don't give a shit. Oh, you
4: I'll know what?
0: <laughs> you know what wasn't fun? What <laughs> really went out of its way to be as depressingly not fun as possible, Alan. <laughs> 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 no, X Men oh. Dark Phoenix. Oh! Uh, but before we get into that, should we should we have a little music quiz, a little warm up music oh. quiz? I've I've been yes. teasing it.
2: This is a oh. cliffhanger because I've
1: got a to, lo- I've got things to say about um, to get us through yeah. the Dark
0: Phoenix uh, yeah, <laughs> debacle. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little warm up quiz. We've got a proper quiz at the end of this episode, but I'll give you a little warm up quiz here. Uh, this is five bits of film score from this year. Mm. Uh, I would like you to tell me, well, buzz in, what, what your noise is going to be. 2019
1: noises. Oh. Uh...
0: <laughs> that, of course, is what I think of when I think of 2019. <laughs> the theme tune to Laurel and Hardy.
2: Uh Alan? Okay, I'll try and tie my noise into one of the films we looked at as well. Ah
0: That was that uh, Godzilla. Godzilla,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> <Well done.
4: laughs>
2: okay. Um, I might use that one as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, go with that one. <laughs> um we are playing. You're playing head to head. In this round you can win two points per question. Oh my one God. for the name of the film. Are you gonna are you gonna music. keep a tally of this?
2: <laughs> i will yes i will Calvin, you're gonna... so competitive what's what happened to you as a child that so, <laughs> so, so uh-huh. no, especially i don't know anything about film music so you're, you're gonna be fine don't worry
0: about it.
1: <laughs> but i haven't seen any films this year
0: <laughs> so we have films from this year i want you to name the films uh-huh. i want you to if you can name the composer for a bonus point but i don't know mm. if you'll get any of those mm-hmm. you might mm-hmm. get one or two that. okay let's begin
3: Mussurah!
2: <laughs> yeah?
0: Well, it's Electric Six. Oh, yeah. So the that
2: composer was... will be Dick Valentine.
0: <laughs> <way. laughs> <laughs> that was the fun bonus Electric <laughs> Six round point. You're
2: just getting out of the way. Getting them out of the way early. Get them out of the way early. Okay. Were okay. they in a film this year? Have they got in any films?
1: Just, I wouldn't get a point for that.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Just give me a head start, card Just, fine. just for fun, just for fun. <laughs> okay, all right. This is for real now. Okay, let's go. Would you like a hint? This is not a film we've covered on the show. No. It is likely a film we will be covering come Oscar episode next year. It is at the time of recording currently in cinemas. Charles Angels!
2: Charlie's Angels. No. No. <laughs> think oh, I like said crowd. Oscars, didn't you? Sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot about I that woman. I making a, a joke. <laughs> it's just because it sounded very action-y. So. It's in the cinema at the moment. God. Dr. Uh, Sleep. Oh, oh, oh.
0: Uh, What? Where, where? Is it <laughs> yes. Frozen 2? No. Oh. <laughs> Alan, care to, care to take a stab in the dark? Uh, What's that about at the moment? Um. No. <laughs> it is Ford v Ferrari, or um, uh, as, as it's been released in this country, Le Mans sixty six. Le Mans sixty six. Le, Le, Le Mans seven. 7 no, 7, seven. Isn't it? What's six? Sweet sweet on five 4. <laughs> What is it? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> All right. No points for anyone. Um. Uh, that was composed by Marco Beltrami. And Buck oh, Sanders. I like him. Yeah, he did Logan, Uh, didn't he? Yeah, and Scream. Yeah. Right. Number two. Here we go.
2: Sounds like a Pink Panther
1: film.
0: It is a film we covered on the podcast. Uh, Go on.
1: Is it uh, Aladdin?
0: No.
2: Ooh, oh, um, I see what you're thinking, though.
1: Yeah, it's got that kind of yeah. Middle Eastern cultural appropriated vibe. Yeah. Well, yeah, you are right to think. Or
0: something. <laughs> yeah, you're right to think vaguely ethnic. You're also right to think kids film. Generic ethnic kids film. Dora the Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, we didn't put uh, that on the show. <laughs> it is the uh, the disappointing animated The Adams Family. Which did have very nice music I have to say, very nice music Composed by Michael Danner and Jeff Danner The Danner boys Or Michelle maybe is, I don't know, Michael, Jeff, who knows Danner brothers, Danner siblings, Danner uh, partners the brothers Danner Yeah, yeah uh, Okay, next one Think bleak, think depressing
1: is it uh, Terminator: Dark Fade?
0: No. <laughs> uh,
3: Blade
1: Oh no, that's less. <laughs> it's not. Um. Is it Hellboy?
0: Uh, it is not Hellboy. No. You are thinking along the right lines uh, with uh, comic book, but that's too big of a clue, I believe, to allow Alan to jump in and get a point now. Uh, uh, that is Joker. Avengers. <laughs> Joker, composed by Hilda Guan who I'm probably butchering the name of. Okay, number four.
1: Ooh, some theremin going on here.
2: I love a go at like this one.
1: I love a guess. Go on, uh,
2: go on. Once upon a time in Hollywood.
0: No, no, you can, can see where you're coming from so uh, You may people. You may have uh, noticed it's a kind of bastardization of the um, What is that song That Americans love? Is it like
1: is it like a, a, a dream or fantasy sequence from a from a film or something? Like, it sounds kind it's, of tricky. It's the
0: opening, uh, or, or one of the opening scenes of the film. And I will say the kind of... N-ni, 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 land of the... What is that piece of music called? Americans oh, love it. Oh! Oh! Is it Zombieland? It is! Oh, yes! very good. Yeah, very good. Opening of Zombieland Double Tap. Alan, Fantastic. you should have got that, because uh, you liked that film. Uh, Not to yeah. get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> uh, and that was composed by? No? Oh. No? Uh no. David Sardi. Never heard of him. <laughs> Alright, last one in this little mini warm-up round.
1: So I get one
0: point for that,
1: right? You do get one point. You are
0: leading Calvin. Wait, has Alan point. got a point? Alan has no <laughs> points. <laughs> Apple, <Vera>. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Go on.
2: Uh, can I? Go on. Uh,
0: it Chapter 2. No. Doesn't sound uh, like you're going to get it. Hellboy. <laughs> well, <laughs> I uh, I didn't do this on purpose, but that was uh, <laughs> X-Men Dark Phoenix, as composed by <laughs> Hans Zimmer. I would say the one positive element of that film is the uh, the passable film score that you just heard someone. <laughs> uh... Uh, more on my opinions now. This is what you wanted to show me. Wasn't very good, was it? <laughs> well, as a
2: general thing, it, it really felt like it felt like it was made for TV. Felt like a TV movie, mm. uh, not just in terms of budget. It did feel a bit lower budget than the, what we're used to. But but just in the, I mean, the guy who directed it, Sam Kinberg, is a TV guy. This is his first film, right?
0: is No, no, no. He's a he's a writer. Oh right, he's. This is literally his first directing credit. I think technically an episode of The Twilight Zone oh. uh, made it to release before this film, but that's purely the result of this film being so that's heavily delayed.
2: Because I, I got into my head that that he was a TV guy that had, like jumped up. I knew he was hadn't done a film before, but it, it had a TV feel to it. I don't know if it was just the yeah. way it was shot or, or he's a writer
0: he he wrote um x-men last phoenix among yeah. other last x-men phoenix. things he he's been involved producing loads of marvel stuff uh i think including a fair bit of tv uh, so yeah sorry x-men the last stand did i say last phoenix <laughs> but yeah th- this is his first directing credit and i Reading between the lines, I think there may have been some element of obviously Brian Singer's coming back to direct the next X Men film. Oh no, wait—he's been raping kids! Oh, oh shit! Oh, oh, oh god! Brian. We're, all, we're, we're all ready to go. Uh, who's who? Can we? Oh, I'll do it. Who are you? I'm the writer. Oh, okay. how did you get um, in here? I wrote the script. Uh, well, have you ever directed it? No, but i know the world don't i mm, don't know about that look i can i can do it right now i know all the characters and i will throw in all the rewrites for free so you don't have to worry about you know we're always changing stuff on set because these films don't you know they're not very well do it for yeah, me all right, fine fine we'll cut our losses we'll just we'll just yeah fine it's gonna be disney soon anyway it's all gonna who cares who cares you can yeah fuck it whatever
2: it, uh, it's the first time in so long in a like a major big blockbuster hollywood film that i've seen shadows in the background of stuff that yeah, shouldn't be there it, you know it,
0: it felt very very rushed it felt very gray and drab and i very, think that was intentional but a bad decision they're doing the whole mutant thing in the 90s mutants are kind of relatively accepted Professor X has become a bit of an egomaniac in a way that was never that apparent to say that they are called the X-Men. Evan Peters comes back as Quicksilver and he doesn't seem like he wants to be there. Mm. And I don't blame him. I'm the guy who does the, the little quips then. Really? We're going mm. to space this time? Are you for real? That's weird. It was, oh, fuck off. <laughs> uh, then we get to the the white phoenix in the room. <laughs> Sophie Turner who uh, I'm not a huge fan of. I don't think I've never seen Game of Thrones, so that might be why, but...
2: I mean, I've seen her in Game of Thrones. She's pretty... It's just sort of not crap. I'd be a bit harsh, but yeah, she gets it done.
0: Never seen anything particularly interesting. Didn't like her in Apocalypse, or... No. Really didn't like her here. Still no good. I mean, I just don't... I hate that character. That character has never been interesting, or compelling, or, or... Or threatening, or anything that i hate jean gray i hate her (laughs) get rid of her stop doing it well yeah the sophie turner
2: is not particularly good i don't i don't imagine her i don't foresee a long career ahead
0: and and in a in a film like this and a role like that you need someone good it's a big part and it, it that a good actor in that mm. part and, and it's not just a not just good actor Charismatic but yeah charismatic that's such it such a long way towards selling this film
2: and and also you know when you're uh, so if you watch like an old tv show or something but on a different tv and the aspect ratio is all, all wrong and it makes it look much wider every time it was a close <laughs> up on her i was like what the fuck am i I was in the cinema i was like is the projection
0: <laughs> going wrong is she just really wide face or what? What's going on with her? I mean, I didn't want to say it cuz it just sounds <laughs> like I'm unfairly judging someone for their looks, but yeah, I know exactly what you <laughs> It was so obvious. And well, I can I can I ask cuz my read on it is, was she was she very young when she started in Game of Thrones? Was she like a child? Because my uh, read on it 15, is that is mm. She comes across to me like a child actor who would never yeah. have become a professional yes. actor. Looking like that, yes, that's exactly what I thought. Yes, under normal circumstances, yeah. And um, she, she and has, fair play, you know, I mean, that, that's nothing wrong with yeah. looking weird, but she's just not very, she's not very interesting.
2: I know exactly what you mean. It's like when you see Haley Joel Osment.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly <laughs> the same thing. Yeah,
2: mm. puberty has been uh, brutal.
0: Um, James McAvoy, I don't think. I'll ever see him give a bad performance. He, he <laughs> this is this is the most I've ever seen him like not want to be there and just mm-hmm. clearly not care. But even so, he was doing a pretty good job with what yeah. he'd been given. I think he, yeah, fair play to him. Uh, Michael Fassbender turns up halfway through. <sighs> I mean, doesn't really. Maybe it's because I found out he like beat up his ex-girlfriend or something that soured me on him since <laughs> the previous film viewing but I don't know I just didn't really bring anything to it did he and and to be honest it largely felt like why is Magneto in this film he's not relevant to any of this He's not. oh and then we've got a villain
2: yeah we haven't even the actual plot is that Gene basically gets taken over by some Shot sort by of alien energy, bla- energy thing
0: yeah which didn't really make any sense was a load of bullshit anyway
2: these aliens who take over the bodies of humans, Yeah, they want the alien energy thing. Yeah, it's not, it's not developed properly. And the problem with it was... I think a
0: lot of this was rewritten on the fly. My mm. understanding is at one point, I, I believe, in fact, the original ending, before they reshot it, like, you know, they heavily reshot stuff. That's yeah. part of the reason it got delayed. My understanding is these were scrolls at one point, these shapeshifting aliens. I don't know if ah. you remember Captain Marvel well enough yeah. to remember the scrolls, but yeah. So these aliens were scrolls. they were the more um, sinister take on the character that you tend to get in the comics. Captain Marvel kind of subverted expectations by making them a bit more human and, you know, not black and white, more, yeah, nuanced. It was Jessica Chastain just not being allowed to do anything. Mm. It was the most... And it seemed like that was the direction. It seemed like the direction was you're a cold, emotionless alien and you're not allowed to bring anything to this. And what a waste, I mean... Jessica Chastain deserved better than that along with you know a great cast all round being so wasted I mean
2: that's same for everything really yeah just wasted is a good a good word
0: and that's a shame because these X-Men films even the weaker ones tend to make really great use of the great use of the actors in them even the shitty Wolverine origins that everyone hates made great use of Ryan Reynolds before they sewed his mouth up even that made great use of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. But just none of that here. It's like everyone's been had little psychological, psychic blocks put in their brain to stop them from unleashing their full potential. Mm-hmm. We we spoke in the our X Men episode about what makes X Men work, and I think we said it's set pieces, it's little character moments, it's little examples of what these powers can do, and occasionally action sequences. And this film basically gave us nothing for any of those. <laughs> and the closest to any of that is perhaps when Jean Grey uses her powers to make Charles Xavier walk by yeah. kind of levitating him on his feet, and it's this sort of humiliating, uncomfortable thing where he's this crippled man being forced to walk. And But even that wasn't good. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't like... I d- <sighs> yeah, I don't really have much else to say. It's mm. bad. It's, it's just a shit, weak film... X Men has died with a whimper. There is another <laughs> film coming out, the New Mutants, but that's going to be weird. We'll see what happens with that.
2: So, what would
0: what, what would you rate it? How bad is it? I give it a four out of ten. Yes, I also gave it a four.
1: I told you they could never understand you.
0: Calvin, have you seen that one?
1: I have.
0: Would you echo our opinions, which were overwhelmingly negative?
1: Uh Yes, yeah unfortunately so, and I, I'm normally quite an apologist for the X-Men main series, and I've stood by films that maybe, you know... Uh, no, actually no, Dark Phoenix is another level of bad, isn't it? Like, I think we can all agree that it's the worst one, of uh, certainly of the main series, not counting the, yeah. the Wolverine ones. Yeah, uh, yeah, the worst it's just one. It's such a shame, yeah. it just feels like it was I- just churned out and...
0: I'll say it's the worst one, including the Wolverine spinoffs.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. actually, you know what? Yeah, this is probably <laughs> true. I was thinking about Wolverine Origins, but probably even more to enjoy in that than there is in Dark Phoenix. Um, yeah, I can't believe how rushed it felt. Just how? Uh, I mean, uh, I'm, obviously, some edits will have been made after the whole Disney acquisition thing. Um, But to say that the film was just in production at Fox before, you know, any acquisition merger sort of thing came up. I'm amazed at how it just, it really does just feel like, oh, well, we need to wrap up this timeline for some reason. So we're making this, but it it just felt like it was so passionless and joyless. And Mm. none of the actors looked like they were having especially good times. Mm. Uh, Yeah, no, very, very disappointing. Sad.
0: Yeah. Sad. (laughs) What would you give it out of ten? Four. Yeah, that's what I give it. Mm. Yeah. Terrible. What do you
2: think is going to happen to Sophie Turner?
0: Oh, uh, I like her. Do you like her or do you like Game of Thrones? (laughs) Oh, you've got. (laughs) 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 But after that came Men in Black Four, Men in Black International. Can Will Smith revitalize his career, finally? Oh, well, he's not even in this one, so... Um, uh, let's, let's hear what we thought of that. He's not snarling; He's sneezing. In our Men in Black episode, I spoke about how I couldn't quite get my head around the fact that this was happening, and how happy I was that they were just making a straight-up sequel that didn't wipe mm-hmm. the slate clean. But it was even more of a sequel than I was expecting, you know? It had the same <laughs> font as the other three films. It, it, it was just little things like that. I still can't quite believe this film got made and released, and it's not doing that well financially, which kind of backs up how I feel. You were very scathing about this I film's was. prospects.
2: I feel entirely uh, validated by that, <laughs> by watching the film, yeah.
0: I think this film is pretty much exactly on par with Men in Black 2 and 3.
2: Do you really, though? Yeah. Mm.
0: So your first big issue was you were convinced that Chris Hemsworth was just going to be Thor in the film. He wasn't, was he? Yes, he was. No, he wasn't! He was. No, he was not. He was not doing a big pompous, like, he wasn't doing all this, like, you know. He, he He was doing a kind of suave James Bond pastiche.
2: He was Chris Hemsworth, you know. I haven't got a problem with it necessarily. And there's plenty of actors out there who are, you know... Just stars, and they kind of just do their one thing, and and that's fine. But it didn't bring enough to this particular film for me.
0: I liked that he was doing a James Bond thing. I thought it added a nice new flavor to the proceedings. I mean, I I just enjoyed on a personal level that it was largely set in the UK. That's often a a, a thing. Mm. I thought Tessa Thompson was good.
2: I thought Tessa Thompson was fine. I, to be honest with you, I I don't want to blame the sort of the 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 players here. I just think the whole thing just lacked drive, energy, just...
0: It it felt like it lacked drive and and cohesion, but I think the exact same stuff is true of Men in Black 2 and 3. Mm. They're all kind of messy films that I forgive a hell of a lot of i i honestly don't think there's much difference in terms of quality here i think the only major difference is this one doesn't have will smith and tommy lee jones in it and apparently that was it is a big difference the though. other two films were coasting on for everyone else it is a big difference. i don't think that i don't think that was really the draw for me i, I think i was enjoying the aliens emma thompson comes back for far 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 too small a role. Yeah, more, just, uh, little
2: more than a cameo, really, and just there mm, to mm, create the sense that Two scenes. That we're basically. in the same story world, I think.
0: Yeah, it was just a shame because I wanted more from her. They could have easily worked her into the plot more, but She's... I guess.
2: We've also got Liam Neeson as who's, who's the yeah, well, that's, head of that's British minimum.
0: Sorry, substitute for Emma. Yeah. I mean, he's... Thompson, and he, Rip Torn. He, he's, he's just shit. I, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Has this come up on this show before that yeah. like, I think Liam Neeson is shit? Yeah, you've moaned about it before. Because he is shit, and this film was further proof of that. In terms of this film, it was just like, yeah, fine. He was fine. He got yeah, away fine. with it. But even then, it was the most lifeless...
2: I, honestly, I think his voice is getting so deep like he's acting for whales. I, I could barely like hear what he was saying. <laughs> but, it, but it's
0: not just deep. It's deep and light it's deep and soft it, it so whales is a good analogy because it's it's like the sound it's like he's talking on the wind when he talks <laughs> it's just so there's no there's no power behind it it just yeah, yeah. everything he says is just thrown away and it feels like he's done one take of everything which probably i mean that maybe that maybe that was true of the film but oh he's just you know who was a bit shit and it really saddens me because he's he's done this twice now in in uh quick succession and i used to think quite a lot of him but
2: um i I assume you're talking of rafa spall yeah because he's the the next sort of big big thing in it what else did you hate him in then i'm trying to remember
0: i've looked i think it was jurassic world fallen kingdom which i I really liked on the whole but
2: i know what you mean about him like uh,
0: he he felt uh, like he'd walked off the set of johnny english
2: yeah it did it felt like he was in a different film yeah i would put that Perhaps more on the director than on him that, you yeah know, I mean
0: he... i i I really like Rafe Spall. I've seen him do good stuff good comedy stuff but no i i I do really like him so he was so one-dimensional in this film until they until the sort of twist at the end where he always oh, actually a bit of a good guy even that's it like we
2: the problem in this is that they're setting up this whole idea of like who's the bad guy like we don't know who's working against us behind the scenes. They're obviously going to him, look, you have to be an arsehole so that everyone thinks it's you and then we can change your eyes so it's this guy. But,
0: it was, but he was just like the most boring Ben Miller arsehole. <laughs> Harsh but fair, I think. <laughs> I loved that concept. Someone's poisoned, there's a mole in Men in Black and all that shit, mm-hmm. Go on, a, all espionage thriller on it within this James Bond context. Yeah, great. It was just the most banal obvious lazy way of doing it so like it was fine but whatever um the the one thing that maybe did feel a bit tonally off was the uh the villains the kind of obvious villains the two shapeshifty people oh the les twins yeah purely because the other three films have had kind of big comedy villains in one, mm. one form or another. You know, they're, they're kind of, certainly the first and third film have big comedy performances that are also quite menacing. The third film, they got an out-and-out comedian in. Um, what's her name from the second one? You know, she has done a lot of comedy, hasn't she? She was in a sitcom and stuff before that, I think. Um, and Vince Vincent D'Onofro is obviously playing it mm. as a comedy role. So to just have straight-up menacing villains, which seems to be the intent here, felt a bit Odd.
2: I mean, it also suffers from the fact that it, it, it feels like they've just cast a couple of models, yeah, 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 than yeah, like actors. So let's talk about the best character in it and the best performance. Frank the Pug. Nope. Um, the worms. <laughs> were they even
0: in it? Yeah, they're, they're getting off the um, the the subway that turns into the London Underground.
2: Uh, no, I want to talk about Kamal Nanjiani.
0: Oh, of course, yes, I love Kamal Nanjiani
2: uh, as Pawnee he's the voice of a little creature thing i was a bit worried at first because it's like you know, it's just a little cute creature thing and it's going to be a wise cracking link but it worked perfectly i think the character was written really nicely his performance
0: was perfect lots of the personality into is- it lovely as well. I, I love the idea that he's a... I mean, bizarre, but I love the idea that he's basically a pawn in a kind of alien chessboard, living chessboard, who loses all of his other pieces and just is... I, I really like that. And yeah, I i love Kumail Nanjiani. I think I've sung his praises many times on this podcast before.
2: You have indeed, but I've never seen him in anything, but um, that's the first experience I've had of him, and it was a good one. So. But, I, but for, I thought that was the best thing in the film. That was the one thing that shone out
0: I, just, I don't know what it is, I just have a really soft spot for Men in Black.
2: Well, what did you rate it anyway, then, if you if you like it so much?
0: For me, I, I really can't tell the difference in terms of quality between this and Men in Black 2 and Men in Black 3, so I give this a 7 out of 10. I think most people don't like Men in Black. They like the, the combination of Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, which is admittedly a, a big part of why the first film's so good, but I, I like the film way beyond that, and I think a lot of people don't. So I think you take them out of the equation and suddenly they're seeing Men in Black 2 and Men in Black 3 for what they actually are. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, they were coasting and pulling the wool over people's eyes on the strength of those two lead performances.
2: I, I gave it a harsh rating. I took into account the lineage, you know? I felt that like this was not a good... Uh, you know, with, what, with the world it's already got to play with, it didn't do enough with it. Anyway, I gave it 5 out of 10.
0: Oh. <laughs> Did you like, Alan, the uh, hilarious, subtle joke where... He, because he, because I don't know if you know this, Chris Hemsworth plays a character called Thor. Oh,
3: God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> who,
0: um, uh, that who, is who's an exact. He's known for um wielding a big hammer. Mm-hmm. So in this film, yeah. what they do, right, is they have a shot where he reaches for a hammer like he's can, like he can wield, like he can summon it. And then he practically looks at camera and kind of goes... Because he, <laughs> he realises he's not playing that character here. It was like
2: if, if in Men in Black they'd gone through a record store and Will Smith has been casually looking at a Fresh Prince album. Or Tommy Lee Jones would be looking at it and then go, oh, I don't listen to this <laughs> urban music.
0: Yeah, it'd be like if in Men in Black 2... They'd basically recreated scenes from The Fugitive. And then Will Smith had started doing some beatboxing. Because, as we know, he is the the world's uh, foremost beatboxer.
1: I forgot that there even was a a third Men in Black. Oh, no, shit. Is it fourth? Fourth Men in Black, yeah. Fourth Men in Black film. But it's not proper, is it? Because they're not in it.
4: Well, it's I just,
0: I think a, you should watch it for the same universe and everything, definitely. Yeah. It goes um, out of its way to to tie it in a lot more than I thought it would to be honest to the other three. Right. I um I enjoyed it and I think you should watch it Calvin because it's doing a whole James Bond thing. That mm. it's it's set in it's set in the UK. Chris Hemsworth is doing like a comedy James Bond thing. He's playing the British men in black agent. He's like a shit James Bond. Not a shit, James Bond. He's just James Bond. He's like, he's shagging alien women. And I mean, that sounds like Captain Kirk, but he's doing it in like, like gambling casino places and stuff. It's they're doing a Bond thing. I think you'd respond to, but I don't know if you'd like the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Anyway, uh, that was Men in Black. And lastly for this week. We are going to cover Toy Story 4, the uh, questionable, the n- um, not necessary at all extension <laughs> of the Toy Story trilogy. <laughs> really with, finished off that trilogy. Yeah, kind of unnecessary epilogue. You are a sad, strange little man,
3: and
2: you have my pity. So, Toy Story 4 uh, just came out today, yeah. uh, and we both went to see it on the first day.
0: My thoughts are still not settled.
2: We said, you know, Toy Story three was the perfect ending. It was, a, it was an enclosed trilogy. We've had our emotional payoff. It's done. Yeah,
0: and then and then we said that we just couldn't quite get on board with this new one. But then reviews started coming in, and they all suggested, no, no, it is actually really brilliant. And the whole thing that they wouldn't go back and make another one if they didn't have a really good idea for it yeah. is legit. And they really haven't. They've really kept the quality up.
2: Mm. So so where and, was that good idea, then? Because I don't think I saw it.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, for me, this is Avengers Endgame all over again, Alan. Oh, yeah? Because I, that was a great film. Like, really, I thought it was a great film. But I don't know if great's good enough. Like, if, if you're going to go back to this perfect trilogy... Mm-hmm. And open it up again. You've got to do better than a than an eight out of ten. It's got to be. I mean, that's what I'm giving it. Eight out of ten, right there. Eight <laughs> out of ten. <laughs> but you've got to do better than that. If if Toy Story one for me was a ten out of ten, and Toy Story three was a a thro- uh, a nine out of ten, is what I think I gave yeah. it. You've got to you've got to come back hard. And I, and I'd heard mm. this film was emotionally devastating.
2: You are reopening something that's been closed. And you're starting again. So why? Why would you do that?
0: And and the whole film all the way through, I mean it, it just it felt like an epilogue. And I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing in the world. I, I quite exploring Woody's life after Toy Story 3 and not being the favourite toy anymore and mm-hmm. his romance with Bo Peep as well. I, I actually was alright with that. But basically the film peaked for me right up front with the flashback scene where he says goodbye to Bo Peep. Mm. That that for me was that was classic Toy Story. Yeah. A beautiful moment. That that was this beautiful, really quite emotionally devastating, but in a very subtle way. Scene of of you know two lovers being torn apart by circumstance, which is a very you know, is a relatable thing. I'm, I'm sure most people go through some variation of that in their lives at some point. I. I I thought right up front, I mean, fr- it made me cry, basically, that opening scene. Not opening, but right near the mm. front, wherever it was, it made me cry. And and I, I thought, oh God, this film's going to be amazing. And then it just never, it was mm. downhill from there. It never quite got up to that. And mm. And the very end of the film was sort of in the same territory, same ballpark. But it was, I don't know, it just... Just nothing, it, it all felt a bit diminishing returns, even down to the the sort of post credit stinger with Mrs. Forky that was just Mrs. Potato Head all over again. Yeah. If you're making a new film in any series, really, if you're bringing the average standard of that franchise down, then you shouldn't do it. And I think that's more significant once you're three films deep. And and it's it's a shame because honestly I can't think of a fourth film in a franchise that's better than this, but at the same time it's not good enough.
2: <laughs> well, like I say, I actually don't. Th- I have to get into this yeah, cause go on. Go on. I, I don't think it was particularly well uh, structured. Uh, well, no, the, st- the the sort of journey element of it was was okay. I, well, this but... is it.
0: I think I think on a purely kind of technically written basis, I think it was. A pretty great screenplay Mm, Pixar have that shit down
2: They introduce a lot of new characters which means our older characters are essentially just there for the sake of oh yeah remember them
0: Oh they all get a line yeah
2: But also the problem with that is that the new character we brought in I felt some of them weren't necessary
0: I liked most of the new ones from what I can remember I'm trying to think I don't think there were actually that many new characters compared to Toy Story 3 for example
2: uh like the Key and Peel bears, I just don't think they needed to be there. If they hadn't been there, it wouldn't have affected anything.
0: Yeah, I guess. And I, they I, I like them.
2: Make that, you know, ham and potato head or whatever. You know, it's like let's use yeah. the characters we've got. I know what they're all dead, but you know
0: <laughs> Hey, how about how about ham and potato head get glued together?
2: Yeah, exactly. And then you make whatever. Yeah. Or Ham and Rex, I guess, if you're trying to keep Potato Head out of it. Yeah, It just didn't bring enough new things. And the whole thing with Buzz getting involved and then introducing them just felt so out of character.
0: Buzz was so out of character. What was that? Buzz is suddenly a simpleton in this film. He's never been.
2: Exactly. It's like they've taken him back to his original settings and he's like a naive, you know?
0: He's never been a dimwit before. Yeah, it He was naive all. in the first film. He, he, and, and then Toy Story 2 kind of went out of its way to be like, no look he's a he's a very smart, capable member of the gang now. Whereas this was just like oh it's Tim the Toolman Man Taylor.
2: The stuff they did with his character was just like, well he's 15 years in now. What's that about? Yeah, but it was baffling. But the, but the whole plot, that whole element, just felt like, oh, we've got to do something with Buzz. Let's stick it in there. It felt like a subplot that didn't need to be there. Then there's just all the little, like the little Giggles Mc, whatever it was called, the little Polly Pocket thing. That now, I, I like Bo that Peeps.
0: purely for the sight gag of introducing them. I, I thought that was a really nice thing to get that toy. But to be honest, you could have just introduced them for that sight gag and then that was it. Then they go The same way we met the car you know, the same Bell. way Carl Weathers came along and said hi, and then went away. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, it was just yeah, and it was just like, and then okay, now we've got this character that just isn't adding anything. Um, one 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 of the new characters that I liked was um, I assume the, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves won whatever his name was. The performance was really nice. Actually, I've never, don't think I've ever think Keanu Reeves do voice work. I don't Keanu think, Keanu but...
0: Reeves is having a real moment at the minute, isn't he? It, it's. I think everyone realized that he looks like me, and it's given us a, <laughs> bit a, a boost. boost. Yeah, yeah.
2: it's <laughs> almost like we're only paying lip service to the idea that they have to hide from people. They just pretty much do oh, it. they yeah, want.
0: Yeah, yeah. Especially at the end,
2: it was definitely crossing the line.
0: Yeah, especially at the end when they're driving a fucking RV, and yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It was just a bit like Ugh, this is. I appreciate
2: you have to go too far with those things, like at moments, but it's like the whole film was just like what the. F-? How did, you,
0: did you like forky
2: you either make that the story of the film make that the central sort of point of the film or don't and it was kind of half and half he was mm, he was yeah. the he was the sort of the kickoff the catalyst of the whole thing and and he's the big thing in the beginning and then for the second two well for the sort of two last two thirds of the film He's just another character who sort of helps out here and there, like go with it or don't, and and explore that territory of what is he? Is he different, or does he have to find himself? Is he, does he have to find his own identity because he hasn't got a backstory or whatever bullshit you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. So it yeah. just felt it felt lost. Like it's what I mean. Like I don't. Like I said, I don't think the script was that good. I don't think it was that tight. And I thought he might. I I thought at first it was going to end with him getting thrown away in some way like maybe he would yeah, break and then throw him yeah. away and he would be like no no this is okay i'm this is my sort of destiny yeah um, or something like that and i don't know what that would mean but the other sort of element of the story is bo peep and she's radically changed she's moved on and become a new person they've turned her into sort of sarah connor in terminator 2 kind of uh figure to a point yeah <laughs> where yeah. she's like and i liked that i liked what they did with her character
0: I did. I, I really liked it. I Bo Peep was never remotely interesting, interesting in Toy all, Story yeah. one to three, and now she's a good, solid character who stands her own amongst you know in the, in this franchise. It was like, yeah, yeah. Cool
2: I re- I really like what they did with her. They made her a strong woman, which is of course what you want in twenty nineteen, but also. She really like has to make a point of telling Woody to shut the fuck up. Like, I know more than you. Stop trying to be in charge all the time and accept when you don't you're not in the best position. Like you're just fucking shit up.
0: There was a point when they were gonna say goodbye and I thought, Oh god, are they just are they doing a kind of before sunset, before sunrise with this? Is is this what this is? It's Woody and Bo Peep have a kind of you know, another I'll, bit of time I'll meet you together, here in six but, months. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's just, is it just a kind of time is fleeting and everything is finite? And, and I thought that could have been quite resonant.
2: After, after the way they did it in the first scene, that, like, they're very resonant, like, goodbye. Mm. Yeah, and they have to do it again. But, and, and I like know, that
0: they just let Woody go, though. And I did, like... I I, I would have been happy with either of those. The one thing I wouldn't have liked is if Bo Peep had just joined them. I think that would have been too cheap and easy. So I'm glad they didn't go down that.
2: You sticking with your eight? Now we've discussed it. You happy with that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, As
0: part of what it is, I give it a six.
3: I'd like to join your posse, boys, but first I'm going to sing a little song.
0: So I I really liked it, even though it felt completely unnecessary and not justified. I think I'd rather it didn't get made if I were able to choose. But with it being there, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, Alan was a lot less into it, and yeah, Calvin, have you seen this one? Uh, Can you Yeah, very it? much
1: on the s- same page as you, really. Uh, especially with holding up the, um, especially the third film for me. Like the third film is on a whole other level to the the first two Toy Story films. I think it just it's. It's so fantastic and if you're gonna break up that perfect ending to mm. do something else, it has to feel like
0: relevant or earned yeah. or do something. It's but necessary. it
1: didn't. It was just yeah. like, oh huh. Well nice. I, I yeah.
0: wish I wish they just called it Toy Story, colon, and like played it as a kind of spin-off film. And then yeah. not worried about shoehorning Buzz and everyone into it, because yeah. they all got lost anyway. Just make it Woody's little spin-off film, and that's fine. And it's not going to be held to the same standards. But Mm. yeah, disappointing. So it's been Mm. a year of disappointments, a a year of fan service disappointment. It's much how I felt about Avengers Endgame. It was it was really good, but I was disappointed. Mm. So maybe maybe we'll be a bit more positive next week when we cover another ten to fifteen. Films (laughs) films that <laughs> we've looked at on the show. But before hmm. then, uh the big music quiz continues. You guys yeah. ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> right. This round I'm is winning. the covers round. This is terrible cover versions of songs uh featured okay. in films this year. Um not all are terrible.
2: Are they covers of f- songs in films or are they covers of songs in films? bit of both. <laughs> okay. Either or. Are they all
0: terrible? No. Okay. No, they are mostly. What do we get points for? You get a point for the name of the song. Right. You get a point for the name of the artist. Hmm. I will even give you a point for uh, naming the original artist. Fuck. For, uh, <laughs> and also a point for the film. Right. Oh my but God. So four. You could get four, four points, points. <laughs> for play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Jesus.
0: Although, although in case there are cases where the original artist and the new artist. Um, The same, so that's one Hmm. point. (laughs) Okay, number one, fingers on buzzers. You ready?
1: Yep.
2: I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery
0: ding 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 it is it is pet cemetery originally by alan originally by uh, the ramones oh well done calvin alan oh. is now beating you by one point uh, <laughs> uh, do you care to guess uh, who the uh, new artist is? There's a woman. Um, <laughs> a woman? Mm. Uh, no, I have no idea, sir. It is a band called Starcrawler, who I'd never heard of before. <laughs> and what film was that from, Alan? <laughs> it was from Pet Cemetery. <laughs> oh, three points. Calvin, you you've got your work to <laughs> that, out, man. Good lord. Go on, Alan. Um,
2: I mean, I don't know what it's called. It sounds like the Charlie's Angels theme tune to me. Uh-uh. <laughs> Is oh no, it's my turn, Gavin. Um,
1: is it something from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Oh no, nope. that's an obvious.
2: Oh really? I've the obvious guess. Uh, Can I guess the artist?
1: Uh,
2: the sure. original
0: artist is it Isaac yeah. Hayes? It is Isaac
2: Hayes. <laughs> Have they done another Shaft? I don't know. <laughs> they did. They did a new Shaft. Oh my god! Oh
0: god! It, it was a lot less bad than it might have been. Uh, it, 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 it it brought back the original Shaft as Granddaddy Shaft. It brought back Samuel L. Jackson as Dad Shaft. Uh, really. shaft. <laughs> and junior. it introduced a new son of son of Shaft, uh, <laughs> who probably will never go on to be in another who, who played it? Shaft movie. Yeah. Some, who was, god exactly? knows who knows. Uh, that was the main <laughs> title from the new version. Uh, as as arranged by uh, Christopher Lennox. So he gets All a right. point for that. He gets two. He gets one for Isaac Hayes and one for one for Shaft. All uh, right. <laughs> Next up.
4: <laughs> wah,
1: wah, wah. Uh, no, no. Uh, well, no? that's me. Um, yeah. That is "I Want to Hold Your Hand" by yes. the Beatles. Correct. Which I'm assuming featured in.
0: Uh, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> no, but d- that's not but that's do... not the one I thought you were going to guess, but uh, no, uh, no. But I do get the two points. Yeah, go on. Yeah, okay. go on. It's
4: it's it's
0: dynamite,
1: dynamite,
0: as they say. <laughs> no, it's uh, Comgit. Come Give Me a diner Hand by The Beatles. Oh, it's German. A German-language cover they performed of their own song.
1: Oh. Oh, really? That's really cool. Is it from the German version of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood?
0: <laughs> no. It Down is uh, the only <laughs> instance of a, a song in this game not being produced for the film itself. I just okay. threw it in there. Because it was a nice moment in an otherwise not particularly good film. It uh, doesn't sound like you're going to get it. That was used as the opening credit song for Jojo Rabbit. They they cut loads of archive footage of Hitler with adorning dawning crowds over the top of it, kind of like Beatlemania. It was all all very <laughs> cool. I I was sort of hoping you were going to go for yesterday, but you didn't fall into my trap.
1: That's the only Beatles song that I like. <laughs> oh no, actually I don't know any others.
0: <laughs> Just try to be like James Bond. <laughs> right here we go got
2: bond I know that tune yeah it sounded like uh, a bond theme
1: yeah it sounded like something spy
0: like <laughs> it is a uh, it's a, a rendition of a well-used theme in a film Mm. this year, rendered in a sort of different style Mm. Um, that was uh, that piece particularly is called The How Works, but it is of course the Avengers theme tune uh, by Alan Silvestri, as it featured at one point in Avengers Endgame for the time heist portion, they did a kind of 60s, 70s heist version, which was cool Alright, you should both get this one soon, so Mm. fingers on buzzers (laughs) Ta-da! Yes, Alan,
2: yes. Uh, Saturday Night's alright for Fighting, correct. Uh, In Rocket Man, presumably. Yes, correct. Uh, original artist will be Elton John, correct. Uh, is the new artist Tara Negarton, I guess? <laughs> uh, yes, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Kit Perhaps. Connor, who I believe is a kid, doing some of it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Calvin, you should have got that. You saw that one.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't really know Elton John that well. I'm seeing him next year oh, really? before he dies. Yeah, I got, I've had tickets for like a <laughs> like a year and a half. Oh my god! Had to get him that far in advance. Saturday, 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 Saturday. They were my Christmas present last year, I believe. Oh. Right, fingers on buzzers, ready for the next one. The next one is a very short clip. Right.
1: Oh, oh, wow! wow Yeah, Calvin? Well, that is the uh, 20th Century Fox opening fanfare. Nope. <laughs> oh, shit, shit. No, it's not, I know it, I know it.
2: It sounds like the opening to, like, BBC News or something. No, no, something like
1: that, no. no I Calvin, know do you
0: want to jump Go in? Right. You can jump Go back on, in man. now,
1: Calvin. Yes, it's the uh, uh, opening theme to the Universal uh, Yes, yes, logo. Universal yes.
0: Yeah, Universal Studios opening fanfare. Originally composed by Jerry Goldsmith, I believe? Is that so? Is it? I, I don't know, I'll take your word for Do it. And give look you a this point. up. Yeah, look it up. Oh, okay, <laughs> All right, one sec. I'll have a look. Yeah, I was right. Compo
1: well, um for the the new version it's composed by Brian Tyler based on the original
0: logo music by Jerry Goldsmith. Huh. Well, that version there, uh put together by Daniel Pemberton for the film Yesterday. Oh, right! <laughs> it is the one bearable cover from the film Yesterday. <laughs> How many points do I get for that? Uh, two. Yeah. <laughs> right, Alan, Alan, you ought to get this. I don't think Calvin will get this next one.
4: Mm. What the fuck? <laughs>
0: Pay attention to the male vocals. A little bitty boy
1: had a whole lot of money. I'd marry me
0: an elevator girl. She'd be
1: good as any. She'd ride up and I'd ride up. And we'd
0: go together.
2: No, yeah, I couldn't quite... I couldn't make out what they were saying very
0: well. You did recognise my voice there, Shrik. <laughs> Is it Eddie <Andy> Murphy? Is it Eddie Murphy? I mean, it is Eddie Murphy, but I'm not giving you a point for that. Again, <laughs> Thank goodness. With my, with my pitch-perfect Eddie Murphy impression. Uh, what's he been in? But I've not been in too many films these days, no, so, uh... oh, What has he been in? Oh, come on, Alan. You, you were pushing for us to fit this into the the show, into the schedule. It was too late that we found out about it. Well, uh, that is Ballad of a Boy and a Girl, performed by Eddie Murphy and Devine Joy Randolph. Uh, originally performed by Rudy Ray Moore, as uh, heard in the film Dolomite is My Name, the, the sort of biopic mm. of Rudy Ray Moore, which uh, oh, was, yeah. was very good actually, not bad. I, haven't seen, it. I haven't seen it. All right, guys, you should get this one.
1: Oh, oh. Yes, yes. Is it Will Smith Friend
0: Like Me? Oh, I mean, it is Friend Like Me, but no. What's that from, though? Who's it originally what, by? Yeah. Robin Williams. <laughs> Robbie Williams. Robbie Williams? <laughs> no, Robbie Williams. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give, I'll give you three points for that. No, it is is not it not Will, Will Smith? Smith? Uh, I mean, Will Smith's in it. I'll give you a prize
1: Sounds better than the film version.
4: Yeah,
2: Oh, oh I know this song. Damn it. I recognise the song, I can't
1: place it. Uh, I mean, it sounds like the Deep Blue Sea theme, but I don't <laughs> like, <laughs> with that.
0: Pretty cool, though. Oh, it's fantastic. Used very prominently in the film in question, as well as the trailer. Oh! Um, Go on. Is
1: it from uh, Doctor Sleep? No. I don't know, that's
2: what
0: I was thinking. It? No. That is a track called Passe De Deux. Uh, originally, I, I Got Five on It by Luniz, <laughs> uh, but rendered in a sort of spooky horror film style by Michael Abels for the film Us Jordan Peele's Us. Oh, yes.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I think I can place that
0: now. Alright, last one for this week. You are actually drawing, guys. You both have nine Oof. points, so this is neck and neck. Mm. Last one, let's see if you can get it.
1: Nah, it's a gun, He looks in on bed Gojira! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: <Godzilla. laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well I know what film this from Oh no They say
4: he's
1: got to go
0: Go Um Mosura! Yes, salad, yes I can't believe you didn't buzz in for that, Calvin. The film must be
2: uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Yes, correct. Um,
0: is it a Black Sabbath song I'm, I'm hearing? Austin no, no.
2: Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> Godzilla. <laughs>
0: sorry, sorry, well, Godzilla. the song was originally Godzilla by Blue Oyster Cult, but this is the Godzilla Diminishing Returns remix, uh, as Ooh. put together by Brea McCreary, uh, featuring Serge Tanken and also featuring Sol Harris on additional <laughs> oh. vocals. <laughs> well, Alan, you are you are beating Calvin by one
1: point now. Oh, but are the points rolling over.
0: Yeah, they are rolling over to next week. So Calvin, you're gonna have to come back next week and and play for for Keepsies. Yeah, that was part one of diminishing returns review of the year 2019. Ooh. Happy New Year. It'll be 2020 when when we check back in with you for the remaining films. Uh, so wow. so have, a, have a pleasant new year. Hope you yeah. enjoyed your Christmas. Yeah. I Hope you got some great things. <laughs> Not that
1: it's all about the thing.
3: Thank you for listening, and thank you for a wonderful 2019. Just to remind you... Most of what you've heard in this review episode are edited versions of our Diminisodes. It's what we put out on our Patreon feed. Uh, We review the films uh, as they come out uh, in a more timely fashion. We launched the Patreon about 11 months ago. Since then, we've had 42 Diminisodes plus three full-length bonus episodes. That's what you get for $1 a month. A pretty good deal, um, especially if you like the show. If you don't like the show... Still a good deal, actually, because just more for you to hate, um, and that's good value for money. We really appreciate everyone who supports us, and it means that we don't have to worry that we're losing money doing the show. We spend a hell of a lot of time and effort uh, into producing this podcast. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of time watching films, which is pretty easy, to be honest with you. But then, all the recording time and the editing is just a nightmare. It takes hours and hours... But that means you get a much more streamlined podcast. Listen to other podcasts. Notice how crap they are and uh, how much filler there is. They need to edit. They need to put that time and effort in. That's what we do. Aren't we great? Yes, we are. Thank you. That's what you get with Diminishing Returns. If you would like to support us, but you think a dollar a month is far too much to ask of you, uh, that's okay. But if you would like to rate us on iTunes, that would be very helpful. A little review would be nice as well you know what? You can even just recommend the show to a friend. By far the best way to help a podcast spread. Word of mouth. Word of mouth. If you've got a friend who likes films in any way, send them the way to our podcast. We've got three and a half years of backed up episodes. They will definitely find some films that they're interested in. We appreciate not everybody's going to listen to every episode because it might be a film you've never seen or know nothing about, but get them down there. 180 odd episodes we've got They're all at the website, dimreturns.com. They're on YouTube, they're on Spotify, they're on every other podcast catcher, iTunes, everything. You know, they're there. You know they will thank you for it because it's such an amazing show. Thank you, and we will be back next week with the second half of our 2019 review. Merry Christmas!